Good evening. I'd like to call this December 12, 2023 school board regular meeting to order. Ms. Goodell, could you please take the roll? Yes. Dr. Anderson? Here. Dr. Dimmick? Here. Ms. Downs? Here. Dr. Gould? Here. Dr. Ortiz? Here. Ms. Silverman? Here. And Ms. Tice? Here. Thank you. Thank you. If you could all join me in saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. We are at 1.04, adoption of the agenda. If I could have someone move to adopt the agenda. Yes, Dr. Anderson. I move to adopt the agenda as presented. Thank you. Could I have a second? Second. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. Our agenda is adopted. And we are now at 1.05, oath of office for newly elected school board members. And just to remind the public, uh, we in the uh, fall, just this past uh, November last uh, month, we had an election and um, we had, to my right, we had uh, Dr. Jared Anderson re-elected and we had two new, two new members elected, um, Ms. Uh, Amy Murphy and Ms. Bethany Henderson. And this evening we're going to be swearing them in for office. And so I would like to introduce Paul Ferguson, who's the clerk of the cir circuit court for Arlington County in the city of Falls Church. And Mr. Ferguson, I'll let you take it from here. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'd like to call up Renee Andrews and Alan Wisdom from the Falls Church Electoral Board to present the official certificates. Um, as Secretary of the Electoral Board, my board members, Marguerite Shovlin, Alan Wisdom, and I have the distinct privilege and honor of ascertaining the final vote counts and declaring winners of every election. And it was a pleasure last month to declare the three winners of, of this election, uh, Mr. Anderson, Ms. Henderson, and Ms. Murphy. And um, if we can call them up, uh, we will present their certificates of election to prove that they were elected. And then Clerk Ferguson can swear them in. Great, thank you. So uh, 
I'll uh, do the incumbent first, if that's okay, uh, if it's okay with uh, Dr. Anderson. Uh, Dr. Anderson, do you want to have anybody from your family join you for this oath to help you? Dr. Anderson, do you want to introduce your uh, helpers here? All right. Dr. Anderson, would you please raise your right hand? Do you, Jared Anderson, solemnly swear or affirm that you will uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution and laws of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and you will faithfully and partially discharge all the duties incumbent upon you as a member of the City of Falls Church School Board for a term commencing January 1st, 2024 and ending December 31st, 2027, according to the best of your abilities? Congratulations. Next, uh, I'm going to go in alphabetical order, if that's okay. Uh, so, uh, Bethany Reuben Henderson. Miss um, Henderson, do you have anybody that you want to join you? Would you like to introduce your team? Okay. Uh, Ms. Reuben Henderson, would you please raise your right hand? Do you, Bethany Reuben Henderson, solemnly swear or affirm that you will uphold the Constitution of the United States, uphold and support the Constitution of the United States, and uphold and support the laws and the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and faithfully and partially discharge all the duties incumbent upon you as a member of the school board for the City of Falls Church, Virginia, for a term commencing January 1st, 2024, and ending December 31st, 2027, according to the best of your ability. Congratulations. And last but not least, Miss Amy Murphy, do you uh, have a, anybody that wanted to help you? All right. Miss Murphy, would you please raise your right hand? Do you, Amy S. Murphy, solemnly swear or affirm that you will uphold the Constitution, and, uh, the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution and laws of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and you will faithfully and partially discharge all the duties incumbent upon you as a member of the school board for the city of Falls Church, Virginia, for a term commencing January 1st, 2024, and ending December 31st, 2027, according to the best of your abilities? Congratulations. And uh, these uh, oaths will be on file at the uh, circuit court uh, clerk's office uh, for uh, the City of Falls Church in Arlington County. Thank you once again, Chairman Downs. Thank you so much, Mr. Ferguson, Mr. Wisdom, and Ms. Andrews. Thank you so much for coming this evening and, and joining us and swearing in our newest school board members. It's, it's a real honor. I've worked alongside Dr. Anderson for how many months now? 11. 11, wow, 11 months. And so I, it's, it's um, you know, 
I'm very thrilled for this board that we'll have you for another four years. And I personally know Ms. Murphy and Ms. Henderson and uh, think very highly of both. They're going to do great things on this board. So I know I speak for Dr. Dimmick, but I know that we couldn't be happier with uh, with the members that, uh, that are going to be on this board uh, starting January 1st. So congratulations again to Dr. Anderson and Ms. Murphy and Ms. Henderson. Okay, so we're going to move on now to uh, Section 2 Spotlight Team FCCPS and 2.01 IB World Conference. And I'll turn it over to Dr. Noonan. Thank you, Chair Downs, and good evening, everyone. And congratulations to uh, our newest board members that are official, and congratulations to their families uh, for being out here tonight to support them. Um, this evening, our Spotlight on Learning is on our IB Continuum Conference that was held um, this, this year at Meridian High School that really um, was the brain uh, child of Dr. Rory Dippold, who is with us tonight. Rory, can you raise your hand or stand up so we know you're here? Um, Rory came to us um, sometime last year and said, hey, I got this idea. And the idea is, I think we should hold a, a conference for all of the continuum schools in the United States and see if they'll come to Falls Church and, and be part of this IB conference. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where we thought it was a really ambitious idea, a really ambitious goal, and we should give it a shot. Um, and through his hard work and dedication and communication with our system and outside of our system and the support of Mary Beth Connolly and others, um, who were standing right by his side to sort of make this happen, it happened. And um, tonight we get a chance to see a little video about it and that probably explains more than I can tonight. But I did want to take just a second to give an, a huge shout out to Dr. Rory Dippold for his incredible work uh, and also to Mary Beth Connolly for her work um, on the operational side of the house to make sure that it all happened. So uh, with that, we'll take it away. Under the bright skies of Falls Church, Virginia, the halls of Meridian High School were abuzz with a symphony of ideas and the vibrant energy of educators from various horizons. They've convened for a conference that's more than a meeting of minds. It's a beacon of international baccalaureate education. I wanted to look at like continuums because we are one of eight continuums. So I really wanted to look at how do we build community and collaboration across the IB continuum, the eight divisions, but then also partnerships as well. Dr. Rory Dipple is the FCCPS Middle Years Program Coordinator. He, along with Nicole Jones, the Division's Sustainability Coordinator, are among the handful of staff who organized the first of its kind two-day national event. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Weiss. Dr. David Weiss is the IB's head of US Public Schools, a steward of the IB mission who set the tone and acknowledge the community's pivotal role in elevating public education. Thank you to Falls Church for taking this on, something probably the IB should have been doing, but um, as many of you know, when we don't, um, the community steps up. So I appreciate that. Rory, great idea. Thank you for your um, passion on this subject and the perseverance that's necessary. And Dr. Noonan, thank you very much for the invite and for this beautiful space uh, to hold the conference in. 
So when we thought about the design um, of this building, and hopefully you'll see it uh, throughout the day, there are a couple of things that we hope pop to your, to your mind. Dr. Peter Noonan is the superintendent of Falls Church City Public Schools. Obviously when you come in, the first thing you see is the homage to the IB on the right-hand side. The other things that you'll see, we hope, as you go through the building are the spaces for collaboration, um, the, the opportunities for lots of um, movement. There's a lot of spaces to have visible thinking where kids are writing on the walls, and it's, and it's really incredible. The other thing that I hope you'll have a chance to, to see or to feel as you walk through the building um, is our commitment to sustainability and sustainable energy and the like as part of our commitment to ensuring um, that peaceful world that we all are trying to achieve. I think one of the ideas behind the conference was that student experience. Like how do we build that student experience pre-K through 12th grade? And I think we do it by collaborating and building community with other educators within our division, but also um, across the nation as well. We had 15 school divisions, um, two private schools, and six states represented at the conference. From seasoned educators to the newly initiated, the conference is a melting pot of experiences, all stirred by the IB's commitment to creating a better and more peaceful world through intercultural understanding and respect. Really excited that we had something local to bring everybody together. The biggest thing has really been thinking through how we can build and learn from each other. Um, the unique challenges contextually at our different locations and how we can learn from that and support each other. This has been a wonderful opportunity to connect with other schools who are at different points in their journey and we're, we're all on the, on the same journey to um, thinking about integrating the IB values, principles, philosophy into everything that we do in our school buildings and so to be able to connect with other teachers, administrators who have been a part of this work um, has really been really wonderful. Um, so much learning is happening, making connections, sharing resources. Classrooms without walls, learning without limits. This is the heartbeat of the IB philosophy, palpable in every dialogue, every session. To create a setting where students are able to use uh, AI productively in the classroom to activate the IB learner profile, approaches to learning, and even the concept of international mindedness. Teachers will feel empowered to bring AI into their classroom in ways that they hadn't thought of before, and to really engage their students in thinking deeply about the process and, and the products of AI and thinking critically. Oh, hey, come on in. Mary-Kate Hughes brings a fresh perspective, showcasing how modern platforms like podcasting can give students a voice, transforming the classroom into a global stage for dialogue and action. I had a student who, um, by all accounts, school was not his thing by fifth grade. He's a really passionate, fiery kid, had a lot of strong opinions and um, needed a place to channel all of that passion and podcasting really was an incredible outlet for him. Um, it forced him to, to slow down and really consider what he wanted to say because there was a record and motivated him to say what, what, what mattered to him because he knew that people would listen. He really wanted to do a particular topic for exhibition but wound up that wasn't his topic and his group and he advocated for himself to say, do you think I could do a podcast about that topic anyway and work on my own to research it and interview someone and you know, make that happen? Of course, right? Like, <laughs> it's your dream as a teacher. You're like, well, fine, if you must. Um, Hello. Hello. One of the biggest highlights, and no surprise, is when sometimes 
the best things happen when we turn it loose and put our students uh, in charge and kind of let them take the lead on things. We are here with lots of different teachers from all around Virginia um, and Maryland, just Nova area. Um, we are packing a thousand sandwiches for Martha's table. Um, usually we pack 4,000 to 5,000, but today we're only doing 1,000 as this is a small event. Um, but really anything helps to combat food insecurity. Um, and every teacher that is here is making a great impact on our uh, community around us. It's a fine sandwich, Mr. Bates. Hey, man. <laughs> I aim to please. I aim to please. <laughs> Amidst the intellectual exchange, a heartwarming endeavor underscoring a powerful message. Service is an integral part of an IB education. Already the, the wheels are turning thinking about uh, the next iteration of this and some um, themes or areas that we know that we would like to focus on again. And I would say really wanting more of our staff to be able to participate, to present, but to get involved as well because I think this is an opportunity to elevate all of our work um, as we work towards being a premier IB world school. As the conference draws to a close, the seeds of inspiration sown here are destined to blossom across classrooms, districts and communities. This convergence of IB educators at Meridian High School has been more than an event. It was a journey forward. Smile, say cheese. Alright, thank you. Thank you so much. That was a terrific video. And uh, Dr. Difficult, thank you. I, and when I, when I first heard of this conference, I thought it was something that the International IB wanted us to host. And it wasn't until I joined everyone at the Hilton Garden Inn that I realized that this was your brainchild and uh, you and, and Ms. Jones and many other people at, at Meridian and at the secondary campus really took this all on your own. And uh, speaking of that, I know we brought a lot of business to the to the city. Uh, I've never seen the Hilton Garden Inn as crowded in my life. <laughs> so I uh, it was it was terrific to see all those educators there in one place. And just the energy was it was fantastic. So thank you so much, um, really, for just representing uh, Falls Church City Public Schools so well. I don't know if you have anything, Dr. Noonan, you wanted to add? I, I just. Um Having attended the conference uh, for the days that, that it was going on, um, just the interactions with the, the staff, our staff and others from around the country were extraordinary. And um, I just, again, want to thank Dr. Dippold for his incredible work. And you may want to say a few things. I also want to just thank, we had 27 presenters from FCCPS, 27 teachers presenting, which was very powerful, a way to invest in our teachers and to have them share their best practices. Um, I also want to just share my thanks to Julie Macrina, to Lauren Carpell, uh, Josh Singer, and Nicole Jones, who couldn't be with us, but they were also an integral part of this team. But I want to just thank everybody who, operations, Mary Beth Connolly, who put on a great celebration, social events, that's her, that's her uh, specialty, but just want to thank everybody for it. So. Yeah. A real team effort, that is for sure. 
thank you again to everyone who made that such a success. Okay, we're at 3.01 public comments and requests. In accordance with school board policy BDDH, the time for each speaker is limited to three minutes. Additional written statements may be submitted to the clerk for dissemination to board members and for the record. Ms. Goodell, do we have any public speakers uh, tonight? No, we do not. Okay, thank you. All right, we're now at 4.01. Uh, Chair Downs, I'm sorry. If, if you, um, we actually found a couple of speaker slips um, that we're gonna have to do for public comments. Uh, I think this is the right order. So, <coughs> You want to go ahead and call those up? Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, our first speaker is uh, Mike Dimmick. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, hello. Welcome. We just wanted to say uh, our thanks for everything that you've done. And it's been just a real source of pride to me and to be aside you along this journey. And I'm kind of in awe of everything you've done over the last four years. And I've always said that 30 years from now when we're kind of sitting on a deck looking at the mountains, we're gonna look back at what you did here as one of the proudest things we've done. So, thank you. I don't know, I just wanted to say you've been a great role model and you've shown how like it's important to give back to your community even it can be like frustrating, hard at times. And I'm really thankful for your school board email and like that pass that you get to get in all the schools. All right, we'll next hear from uh, Joseph Downs. <laughs> <laughs> Your dedication has been inspiration to me and everyone that you have made your life better. Your hard work, resilience, and commitment to shaping a better future for everyone is beyond amazing. Your legacy on this board will endure a testament to your selflessness and dedication, and your endless love for this family have shaped us to the people who we are today. We are very grateful for everything you've done for us, and on behalf of the community, we'd like to extend our deepest gratitude for your four years of amazing service and dedication to your community. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Next, we'd like to hear from Michael Downs. <laughs> Hello, my name is Michael, and I would like to congratulate all the school board members for their hard work during um, yeah, doing this, and um, especially my mom, because she's worked really hard as uh, four years of being chair, and I know it's really hard, <laughs> chair of the school board, I know it's really hard, um, but your leadership has taught me to give back to the community, because I am a two-time Give Day ambassador, and two-time SEA rep. And I am really happy that you're going to be back because we can celebrate our new dog together. Oh, and, <laughs> and I am really grateful. Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, Matthew Downs. <laughs> so I'm Matthew Downs, and I first want to congratulate Dr. Dimmick and Ms. Downs for a successful four years in the school board. I know it can, it's very challenging, 
you both came in with the impression that all you'd have to be doing is building a new high school, but that's definitely far from the truth. You had to deal with COVID and name change and building a new high school. Uh, one thing I think that I've learned from your experience, both your experiences as a school board, is that you've got to develop a thick skin if you're going to be a politician. You will often receive criticism from people, but it's, often remember, it's also important to remember to not let it become personal, and you have to continue to push forward to the common goal. I th I'm, I'm excited for uh, specifically my mom to uh, be off the school board and spend more time with her husband and, <laughs> and also uh, spend new time with the new dog and the rest of the family. Uh, it's very difficult to be ch uh, chair for not only one year but also two and congratulations to that. Congratulations to both Dr. Dimick and Ms. Downs on being great and successful school board members. All right. <laughs> Thomas Downs. Mine is not going to be as uh, professional as that one, but um, mom, members of the school board, uh, I want to, you know, give my thanks uh, for your hard work. Uh, I've seen mom specifically, I've seen you. We've had many talks about what's going on in the school board in Falls Church City. I feel like I know Falls Church City more than I know my own country, which is a little disappointing, but... Um, I know how hard it is, you know, many long nights, many days just sending back emails in a very polarizing world. So uh, I want to give my thanks to you. Um, you're a big inspiration for a guy like me who's just trying to take a stats exam this morning. So um, you're an inspiration to all, all four of us um, and my dad. Um, but yeah, my biggest thanks. I'm so happy that you're going to be back. I know I wasn't here for the last two years. But I was able to see you navigate COVID and a name change, which I think is a first for a first person on the school board. Um, so yeah, I want to give my thanks. And on behalf of me and my lovely brothers, um, thank you for all your service to the community. And the final speaker is uh, Mr. Christian Downs. Well, thank you, uh, everybody. Uh, thank you, school board members, for your service. Uh, thank you, Dr. Demick and Laura, for your service. Mrs. Down, excuse me, chairwoman, as I'm supposed to address her at home. Um, I, I want to tell you a couple of things that have been happening uh, at the house while you've been doing this. Um, Joseph and uh, Michael have started a collective, uh, and they're actually trying to... Um, uh, go to school less. They want to go to school less, so it's kind of like a uh, a group. Uh, Matthew uh, has uh, uh, recovered a little bit, but uh, wants to take three to four days off. Um, particularly, I think Wednesdays is is what you wanted. I don't know if you've been dealing with any of this, but this is kind of what we've been dealing with at home. <laughs> so stuff like that. But I did want to take some time and thank you all, Dr. Noonan. Thank you for your help as we've gone through this and for us, the school board members, Laura, I know you've made a tremendous sacrifice to do this. And on behalf of our family, we're so proud of you, you know, so congratulations and good luck to the rest of the school board members. All right. Thank you. Not ready resolution. Okay. This time we're going to go ahead and move to 4.01 recognition of school board members.
Okay, we're going to first recognize uh, with resolution 25-23, Dr. Susan Dizenick. Whereas Dr. Susan Dimmick was elected in November 2019 and from January 1st, 2020 through December 31st, 2023, has served the Falls Church City Public Schools with distinction as a Falls Church City Public School Board member. And whereas Dr. Dimmick served as a school board liaison to the Falls Church City Public Schools Band Boosters, the Falls Church City Public Schools Coral Boosters, the Support Employee Advisory Committee, the Special Education Advisory Committee, and the Mary Riley Stiles Library Board, providing excellent guidance and outstanding leadership. And whereas Dr. Dimmick worked diligently and collaboratively with the general government for the development, construction, and opening of Meridian High School, and whereas Dr. Dimmick provided outstanding leadership during the unprecedented 2020 pandemic for the strategic reopening of Falls Church City Public Schools, and whereas Dr. Dimmick advocated for, developed, and was an integral part in passing a school board policy on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and whereas Dr. Dimmick supported the revision of the student attendance policy to include an approved absence of one school day per year for student civic engagement for the middle and high school students, and whereas Dr. Dimmick advocated for and supported the adoption of Resolution 07-22, Girls Wrestling, that had aided in the sanctioning of girls wrestling in Virginia as an emerging sport. And whereas Dr. Dimmick supported and adopted the Falls Church City Public Schools 2022 to 2027 strategic plan that fosters IB-infused teaching and learning, wellness, equity, and belonging, investing in our people, communication and engagement, and resource management, and continuous improvement. And whereas... Dr. Dimmick has demonstrated a commitment to ongoing professional development as a board member, including attendance at the Virginia School Board Association Annual Conference and VSBA workshops on board governance. And therefore, now therefore be it resolved that the Falls Church City Public School Board extend its highest commendation and deepest appreciation to Dr. Susan Dimmick for her leadership commitment to students, staff, families, and the community of Falls Church City dated this 12th day of December, 2023. Congratulations.
thank you so much. I, I, I really want to thank my family for being here and for their very sweet words. It was very heartfelt, and I appreciate it. And thank you, fellow board members. Um, I have more to say, but it's mostly for the board, so maybe I'll hold off till just before 5.01. <laughs> Okay, and we'd like to also honor our second school board member who will be rolling off, much to our dismay. Uh, we're going to introduce with Resolution 26-23. Whereas Ms. Laura Downs was elected November 2019 and from January 1st, 2020 through December 31st, 2023, has served the Falls Church City Public Schools with distinction as a Falls Church City Public School Board member. And whereas... Ms. Darnold served as vice chair of the Falls Church City School Board from January 2021 through December 2021 and chair from January 2022 to December 2023. And whereas Ms. Downs served as a school board liaison to the Falls Church Education Foundation, the Administrative Employees Advisory Committee, the Professional Employees Advisory Committee, the High School PTSA, the ESOL Advisory Committee, the Gifted Education Advisory Committee, the Rec and Parks Advisory Committee, City Council's Budget and Finance Committee, and as an alternate delegate to the VSBA General Assembly, providing excellent guidance and outstanding leadership. And whereas, Ms. Downs worked diligently and collaboratively with the general government for the development, construction, and opening of Meridian High School, and whereas Ms. Downs provided outstanding leadership during the unprecedented 2020 pandemic for the strategic reopening of Falls Church City Public Schools, and whereas Ms. Downs advocated for and supported passing a school board policy on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and whereas Ms. Downs supported the revision of the student attendance policy to include an approved absence of one school day per year for student civic engagement for the middle and high school students, and whereas Ms. Downs advocated for and supported the adoption of Resolution 07-22, Girls Wrestling, that aided in the sanction of girls wrestling in Virginia as an emerging sport. And whereas Ms. Downs supported and adopted the 2022-2027 Falls Church City Public Schools Strategic Plan that fosters IB-infused teaching and learning, wellness, equity, and belonging, investing in our people, communication and engagement, and resource management and continuous improvement. And whereas Ms. Downs served on the Budget Finance Committee with the General Government and worked collaboratively to develop fiscally responsible school budgets for the staff and students of Falls Church City. And whereas Ms. Downs has demonstrated a commitment to ongoing professional development as a board member, including attendance at the Virginia School Board Association Annual Convention and VSBA workshops on board governance. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Falls Church City Public School Board extend its highest commendation and deepest appreciation to Ms. Laura Downs for her leadership, commitment to students, staff, families, and the community of Falls Church City dated this 12th day of December 2023. <laughs> Thank 
Should we just do the sound? Yeah, all the downs and then we'll just do the sound. What about the sound? Yeah. 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 Hey, you're moving pretty well. Thank you. I actually have a couple quick remarks that I wanted to say. Dr. Dimmick, do you want to go first? Okay. At our retreat, Dr. Dimmick was way more prepared than I was, so this time I'm like, I'm going to prepare some remarks. <laughs> um, I'll try and be quick. I know we have a big agenda. I want to thank my fellow school board members, Dr. Noonan, and our great staff. Um, you've made serving on this board a wonderful experience. You've made the hard work easier, and you've been supportive during challenging times and difficult issues. It's been, um, it's been really great to be able to laugh and celebrate together as we work through issues, both hard and easy. Um, first, I want to say that it's been a real joy to work with our school board chair, Laura Downs. Thank you for your friendship and your leadership on the board. Your ability to lead in such a way that all voices are heard has strengthened our community. Your ability to balance calmly under balance demands calmly under pressure has helped our board work well together. You are so good with people. You are thoughtful and you listen. You're also able to focus on pressing issues without losing sight of the big picture. And I love that we can commiserate and laugh together about everything we've been through on school board. Um, so my fellow board members, um, Tate, thank you for being a great listener, asking good questions and hearing the answers to those questions. Kathleen, thank you for your deep appreciation for our school system and the staff and for being laser focused on transparency in our work. Lori, thank you for asking hard questions, being open to listening and staying true to yourself. David, thank you for your willingness to dive into the minutia and details which is essential in our policy work. And Jared, thank you for your sense of humor and your willingness to jump in and quickly get up, on, up to speed on all things school board. And thank you for doing it all with a smile and a great attitude. Um, staff, I want to thank all of our staff for all that they do for our schools and all the time and effort that you take to keep the school board up to date and informed on our school system. 
I very much wor enjoyed working with a committed group of people on something that is bigger than ourselves, making our school system a great place for learning and growth. Thank you for a great four years. Thank you so much, Dr. Dimmick. Uh, I'd first like to thank my family, who is obviously here today and was here with me four years ago when Dr. Dimmick and I were sworn in. I couldn't have done it without your support and your understanding when I missed birthdays and sporting events and family gatherings. So thank you all. I couldn't have done it without your support. I'd like to thank the voters who elected uh, me back in the fall of 2019. And I know that the community didn't always agree with decisions that, that this board and the board at the time made, but I hope that they know we made those decisions with the best of, with our school system in mind. The school board works most closely with our central office staff, so I wanted to make sure this, to thank the staff who have supported the school board and me. I want to thank Mary Beth Connolly, who's here tonight, uh, and Michelle Kopick, and those members of the central office staff who attend our meetings late into the night, uh, Rebecca Sharp, John Brett, and Dang Nguyen. And then there's those staff who have worked so closely with us over the past few years, William Bates, Kristen Michael, Trish Minson, and Ms. Marty Goodell. There's no way we could do the, our jobs without the four of you, so thank you. And Dr. Noonan, as we often say, you're our one employee, but I feel like over the past four years, we've had a really great working relationship. And I'm just very, very grateful for the steady leadership you've provided our school system. So thank you, and thank you for your support. And finally, I have to say, and, and Dr. Dimmick said it well, really the most fulfilling aspect of this job is working with my fellow school board members. And I went back and counted, and between past and present, uh, Dr. Dimmick and I have worked with 13 different school board members. And we didn't always agree over the years, but what was great is we always kept our minds open, and we always respected each other's perspectives and decisions. And I'm incredibly proud to work alongside such smart, professional, and compassionate people. Uh, and one person who has shared all those highs and lows with me is Dr. Susan Dimmick. Sue, thank you for always being a good friend and the voice of reason. And for those of you who don't know, she's always our, um, I always go to her when I need someone to research something. And she, whether this was good or bad, I asked her to take charge of um, collective bargaining. And that was, as we all know, that was a tough, tough topic and she really dug in and she did the research and you know sh she was the one that really led this board through that process with the collective bargaining resolution and um, you know there are often times where I would say I don't know I have to ask Sue so you really were my um, go-to person for all things but especially that one which is w what I really needed because that was that's a tough one. So thank you so much, uh, Sue, and, and I'm happy that we'll continue to have, have this friendship. Um, and uh, I think we're going to go to dinner on, on January 9th when you all have your school board meeting. Um, so and then I, I just want to, again, as Sue said, you know, looking around, I feel like this is sort of the end of the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy's thanking everyone, you know. <laughs> but, but Lori, I, you know, when you came on the board, I think there were some ideas that for me were very much opposite, not opposite, but you know, I, I didn't think of things that way. And you really, I think, opened my mind to looking at things in a different perspective. And I also credit you to also being open-minded and thinking and admitting like, okay, maybe, and I just think that's what I love about being on school board is that free exchange of ideas. And so I just thank you for that. Um, David, and, and you know, your ability to look at policies and you are laser focused on details that that is not my piece of experience. And so you, I think, really can bring 
about when we're talking about things such as policies, really um, narrowing things down for me and helping me see better um, how a policy can be improved. I'll save you for later. <laughs> Dr. Anderson, um, we, what was interesting for those of you who may not know, Dr. Anderson um, ran originally and during that tough COVID time, after, right after COVID. And so um, when we brought him on as an appointed person, um, it's just been, you are just, I had, I had high expectations, but you've exceeded my expectations. You have a great sense of humor. You're so bright. You can really um, dig down on data presentations. So you're going to have a fantastic four years ahead. Ms. Tice, um, I think you and I are probably the most um, simpatico. You know, we came from the, both the PTA route, and so and we both are moms of four kids, so there's a lot there that we have those similarities. And I know um, you're going to, great things are ahead for you. And I thank you for all of your um, reminder of just, you know, the, the teachers, the kids. And one of the hard things about this job is trying to remember all the different pieces. Teachers, staff, kids, you know, and all that. And I think you always do such a nice job of trying to remember every segment of our community and really doing what's best for every segment of our community, as hard as that is. And uh, Vice Chair Gould, uh, we've had a great time working together for the past two years. Your dedication has been um, really impressive. We've become good friends. I'll really miss our uh, school board. Every once a month, we have school board office hours. And so we always have had fun um, going to those. And we now learn strange things, like I know what he likes to order on the menu. And he's a, I always joke, he always, when they, they bring the dessert menu around, he says, just whatever's the biggest dessert, that's what I want. So, um, but you, uh, in all seriousness, you are, um, you're a great, you're great at talking with people. No matter what the subject is, you're always willing to talk with someone, meet with someone, always engage with people, listen um, to any kind of idea. And I'm not board members, but also the community. And I think the community really looks to you when they have an issue, they'll come to you because they know you're very open to discussing things. And so I just really um, am so pleased at how watching you develop into, you've always been a leader, but a leader on this board over the past two years. So, um, you know, it's just, I think, again, great things to come for you in, in the future. So thank you so much for your support. And I know with our two newly elected school board members in the audience, um, Bethany Henderson, Amy Murphy, I know that you, along with this current board, you're all going to do incredible things. And Dr. Dimmick and I are going to be on the sidelines cheering for you all, and you always will have our unconditional support. So thank you again. Um, it's been an incredible honor, and uh, thank you all for, this, for recognizing us this evening. So thank you. Okay, now unfortunately we have to get back to the business. Oh, yes. Wait, yes, Ms. Silverman. If I may. Yes, Just please. have a few words. Um, Chair Downs, uh, Dr. Dimmick, I just wanted to personally acknowledge and just with so much gratitude for all of your work for the schools over the past four years. And just to me personally, um, you know, I joined this board and, you know, I'd never served on a school board before. I didn't know really know what I was getting myself into, but you both really supported me. And while we didn't see eye to eye on all the issues and um, it was always done with such, um, just, just you, you accepted my viewpoint, even if we didn't agree. And that was just very much appreciated. And I feel like I've grown into this position in a better way and, and a better informed board member because of both of your um, help along the way. So thank you. And I, I want to hear more about this dog <laughs> because if it's as big and smushy as your current dog, I'm going to be really excited and I'm going to have to come over and meet this dog. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Ms. Orban. Yes. Oh, can uh, yes. I say just a quick, a quick thing? Um, Sue, I just wanted to thank you for your, um, your steadfast service. You've just been so steady and it's really um, been so valuable for all of us. Um, I learned so much from your careful and your analytical approach. Uh, I really admire your perseverance, uh, your commitment, and especially your authenticity. Um, you will be very missed. And uh, Laura, I wanted to thank you for your generosity. You are just one of the most generous people with your time, your energy, your wisdom. Uh, it's really been a joy to follow in your footsteps um, from PTA to school board. And it does speak to the power of representation because I, I really truly do not think I would have been brave enough to, to jump into this if you had not shown me the way um, with your example of leadership, uh, with grace and stability and so much love for Falls Church City Schools and our community. I've learned so much from you and I know for sure I will be calling you for advice many times in the future. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, I, I just want to very just quickly and briefly say, because this is not goodbye, this is just I'll see you next week. <laughs> um, but I, I think, well, I know that the quality of a leader um, is always measured in how they respond in the toughest times. And the four years that we've spent together, we have, as was indicated tonight, gone through some of the toughest times, I think, in the City of Falls Church School's history, whether it was the name change, the building of a new high school, in the middle of a global pandemic. And, um, and I, I just want to say to both of you, your steadfast, I think that's the right word, leadership through these last four years has steadied the ship in a way that has allowed for us to continue keeping the learning going for kids. And at the end of the day, because of the way that you led, we were able to successfully do the things that we were able to do as a staff. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that. I think about, um, you know, I, I won't throw my colleagues too badly under the bus, but we tend to commiserate when we get together and talk about our school boards. And I sit there and I'm wondering what they're talking about <laughs> because we haven't experienced that here. And, and it's because of the leadership um, that you all have shown. So you're going to be incredibly missed. Um, we are so excited to welcome our new school board members um, and, and continue working with those members that are on the board. Um, but your, your, the, the two of you that are leaving tonight um, have really, I think, indelibly left your mark in Falls Church City Public Schools in a very positive and powerful way. So thank you on behalf of the staff. Thank you, Dr. Noonan, very much, and thank you all for those those kind words. I, I like. I think the the phrase that applies here is from strength to strength. So I think we've got a we've had a strong board these past two years, and and these our two newly elected members are going to continue with that strength. So thank you so much. Okay, we're going to now move. Um, I wish we could just keep talking all night, but unfortunately we have to move into a closed meeting now, so what a Debbie Downer, but okay, we're at 5.0, and, and tonight we're going to make sure that Dr. Dimmick gets to do all the closed, because this is it, this is it, it's her swan song here, so we're at 5.01, Dr. Dimmick, could you please read us into closed? Sure. Pursuant to the Virginia Freedom of Information Act, I move that the school board convene a closed meeting for the following purpose to discuss or consider the identified subject matter. Personnel under Section 2.2-3711A1, in particular staff appointments, staff reassignments, staff resignation, staff retirement, staff performance, staff change of position, staff separation, dependent care leave, long-term medical leave, child care leave requests and leave of absence, and student matters under Section 2.2-3711A2, in particular non-resident tuition 
student. Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. We'll move into close. I think probably a quick one, Dr. Neen, probably t five, ten minutes. Thank you. Okay. We're at uh, 5.03, reconvene to open. If someone could make a motion to reconvene us to open. Yes, uh, Dr. Anderson. I move that the board reconvene to open meeting. Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. We're now at 6.01. Dr. Dimmick, could you please certify the closed meeting? I will happily do that. I used to sit next to Lawrence Webb and I was not saying enough. And Lawrence Webb said to me one day, you've got to talk more. So like volunteer for reading these things. So that's when I started volunteering for reading these. Um, whereas the Falls Church City School Board has convened a closed meeting on this date pursuant to an affirmative recorded vote and in accordance with the provisions of the Virginia Freedom of Information Act and whereas section 2.2-3711B of the Code of Virginia requires a certification by this school board that such closed meeting was conducted in conformity with Virginia law. Now therefore be it resolved that the Falls Church City School Board hereby certifies that to the best of each member's knowledge only public business matters lawfully exempted from open meeting requirements by Virginia law were discussed in the closed meeting to which this certification applies, and that only such public business matters as were identified in the motion convening the closed meeting were heard, discussed, or considered. Thank you, Dr. Dimmick. Ms. Goodell, could you please take the roll? Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you, Ms. Silverman. Now, Ms. Goodell. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Anderson? Yes. Dr. Dimmick? Yes. Ms. Downs? Yes. Dr. Gould? Yes. Dr. Ortiz? Yes. Ms. Silverman? Yes. And Ms. Tice? Yes. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ms. Goodell. We are now at 7.03, the consent agenda. And on our consent agenda, we have personnel items in a student matter. And I'd like to ask for unanimous consent to approve this agenda, this consent agenda. And seeing no objections, the consent agenda is approved. Okay, we're at 8.01, approval of FY 2024 legislative package. And I'll turn it over to Dr. Noonan. Thank you so much, Chair Downs. Um, I am, uh, well, let me preface tonight's um, uh, approval of our legislative package is really um, based on the extraordinary work of Lori Silverman, our legislative liaison, and Patrick Finneran, who has uh, been hired to support us working with the legislature this year and the incredible feedback of this board, along with opportunities to hear from our partners in surrounding districts, such as at Arlington and Alexandria at our breakfast. Um, there is one change that's been made since the last time that you've seen this document, and it is on page five of seven. There was an additional position added called student meals, and that came out of a conversation that was held at the legislative breakfast that was um, a couple of weeks ago. And the position reads, the Falls Church City School Board supports legislation to expand universal free meals at schools for all students. This falls in line with what our partners in the surrounding jurisdictions are doing as well. Um, and provides us an opportunity to um, continue to feed our, our students here in Falls Church. So um, with that modification, um, I am requesting that the school board adopt this, um, adopt the legislative package. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Noon. Are there any questions for Dr. Noon? We've, yes, Dr. Ortiz. Thanks, Chair Downs. Um, so I'm looking on, again, on page five, um, and it's diversion of public education funds. And I think last year, I don't know if it was in our legislative package, but I know we had some discussion of it, was the establishment of these lab schools, which have, um, 
uh, I, you, you would know better than I, Dr. Noonan, but somewhat different accreditation requirements and also um, have the potential to um, disrupt where the, in the communities where they exist, disrupt the funding for schools. And um, I was curious if that was something that has fallen, you know, that something that, that is no longer a concern or was omitted or if there's any other story behind that. And then if, it, if we are still concerned, I have a, a minor suggested change that would be able to accommodate that. Yeah, thank you for the question, Dr. Ortiz. Um, it does remain a significant concern to public education because there are uh, millions of dollars that have been diverted from public education to support these lab schools, which are um, essentially providing opportunities for um, higher education institutions to take on the public education of K-12 institutions with little to no oversight. Um, and uh, we see that as a uh, diversion of public funds from public education. So I, I would uh, Welcome your, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak on behalf of the board, but would welcome um, hearing what your suggested edit would be. Well, uh, to either two suggestion, you know, two possible, ed two possible edits for the consideration of the board would be um, something along the lines of, um, in the middle of that sentence, um, uh, public uh, diversion of public education funds to non-public schools, including the use of tuition tax credits. Um, uh, um, tax deductions or voucher, uh, um, uh, or vouchers that I mean, um, actually, how about diversion of public education funds away from public schools, including the use of tuition tax credits, tax deductions, lab schools, or vouchers as a means of reimbursing parents because they are, I guess, supposedly technically, technically public, but it is diverting money away from public schools. Ms. Benson, did you capture that? I'm trying to. So it would read, the Falls Church City School Board opposes the diversion of any public education funds away from public schools. Diversion of any diversion of public education funds away from public schools. Okay. To, to non-public schools? No, away from public schools, of, uh, deleting the non-public schools oh, okay. part. Yeah. And then just including lab schools, lab schools, the use of tuition tax credits. Yeah. Okay. And sorry, Nat, for not bringing this up earlier. I was over the weekend. I got kind of sidetracked. Doctor Newton, if we made that change, that would change the that would change the meaning of that paragraph. I mean, the concept of lab schools or charter schools. Our public education, or our public schools, I'm sorry. Um, I feel like that the original intent of this was really specifically about vouchers to private schools. So I'm, I'm um, that's a bigger change than I think we realize. Mm -hmm. I need to pull. Just for the record, I'm not trying to, to break it. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, I, I'd, I'd be. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think an, a, a short sentence, short declarative sentence, you know, the board um, also opposes the establishment of lab schools that divert money away from, you know, the divert, that divert local public education dollars. Uh, or, or, or just maybe even just say you just also opposes the establishment of lab schools. Dr. Newt, what do you think about adding? So, we, so the idea would be to keep it as is. Oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Lerman, did you? I guess 
I'm sorry, I would, I would need a little bit of education on lab schools and exactly how that money is diverted to lab schools currently and, or, or not currently, but if, if that, if we, if what we are advocating for is really money being diverted from lab schools. Does that make sense? It's, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a great question. It's I guess money, I need some education on this. It's money that's being diverted from comprehensive pre-K-12 school divisions. So uh, essentially what it's providing is an opportunity for a partnership between a university or a community college and a school division or not to set up their own school called a lab school um, that would be in, in some ways free from um, many of the regulations and policies that are required by public institutions to up and to include accreditation um, and, and the like. Uh, the superintendents have added that, added something into their legislative package about lab schools. It's um, as, as many of us see it as a bridge to privatization of public, of of public schooling. Um, so I, I, I don't know um, how much more information you want. I don't think it's a bad position to have. And I think a simple sentence at the end might actually um, resolve it just to say the board also opposes uh, lab schools if, if that's something you're interested in, in doing. I thank you for recollecting my memory. I actually do remember talking about this with uh, Lilla Wise, our former legislative aide. Um, and I, I think there was legislation last year in Richmond on lab schools. And I, I did learn from her about lab schools. And I, Dr. Noonan, everything that you just said matched what she was saying. And so I would be supportive of, I don't know the exact language, but of adding at least adding a sentence um, because it, it is a step toward privatization. From from what I understood through you and from her and from now what I remember from what happened in Richmond. Did you? Yeah, I, I I'm I would probably be opposed to adding that kind of language. Although I fully understand that this would be I might be in the minority on this. I don't see the concern of lab schools as an end around to or an analogy to vouchers of private schools. Um, that's a very different kind of pathway. Traditionally, lab schools are not as readily set up or implemented. Um, they're usually set up. Maybe I would imagine that one or two in the state could be um, forecasted. Um, so I would be opposed to it, but I fully understand and respect the rest of the board if they if you want to add that. So, does anyone, Miss Tice, does it look like you have a comment? Uh, no, I, I honestly was just um, sort of unprepared to add that. I'm, I don't know that I am informed enough to feel strongly. I would have to do some more okay research but before I. Okay. comfortable making the change, but I don't want to hold up the rest of the package. Did Dr. Anderson, you look, are you going to, did you have any comments? Oh, you seem to be pulling out of it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would, I would be fine going with what we have right now. Um, I think you know, it's a, a good legislative package uh, and the lab school seems to be uh, more of an issue that I think more, more of the board members could uh, be educated about and form more informed positions okay. on. Dr. Nina, are we on any kind of time constraint? Could we, um, I mean, granted, it will be two new board members, but they could, this isn't hard to get up for them to get up to speed. I mean, would we 
want to just have a little time for the everyone to feel more comfortable with the lab school piece? One suggestion might be to go ahead and pass the legislative package as it is tonight. Okay. And then I can uh, give you some more information about lab schools, and then we can always ask Patrick um, Finneran, who does our bidding, um, to, to help help with some of that conversation down in Richmond. Um, I, th I think my biggest concern, just so you're aware, is that $5 million out of the governor's budget this last go around was diverted away from the state funds and um, basic aid to public schools to start up grants for lab schools. Um, so that's $5 million that didn't go into the coffer that didn't get distributed to pre-K-12 pre comprehensive divisions. And I, I do see that as, a, uh, as problematic. So I'm happy to share some more information with all of you um, so that you can, um, and we don't have to put it in the package. We can also just talk to Patrick and say, hey, Patrick, the board consensus is we'd like you to also, when you have a chance to talk with um, Delegate Simon or um, Senator, um, um, excuse me, Salim, um, uh, to, to carry that information as well. Okay. I guess we could always, if, if the board wanted to at a future date, add it as an addendum sure. or something like sure. that. Sure. I do think we are a bit under a time crunch to get this passed okay. only because the session's coming up. Okay. And we want to make sure that Patrick has his talking points ready. Okay. Would that be okay with you, Dr. Ortiz? Yeah, let me, um, I didn't actually make a motion, so I don't need to actually okay. withdraw one. But um, I think, um, you know, um, I, I identified this as an issue with the diversion of public funds. And I think based upon Dr. Noonan's description, there is a, obviously a diversion of public funds to these lab schools, but also there's a set of other issues associated with them that if we were crafting um, the package of new or if we were a couple months ago, we would have a better way to frame, uh, I think it would be a more appropriate framing to include those other concerns as well. So I think I'd prefer to, maybe if we can come up with, um, I'm going to the future board here, you know, uh, you know, um, it doesn't need to go into this package, but a future sentence that, you know, that we could say, okay, we're concerned about lab schools for reasons A, B, C, and D, and tell Patrick that, um, you know, um, in, in during, this, during the legislative session, that would be fine. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Okay, so other than that lab school piece, does everyone feel good about the package? Okay, so, hold on, let me just pull this up here. Okay, so we are at uh, 8.01. If I could have a motion to approve the legislature. Actually, uh, Ms. Silverman, would you like to make the motion? Thank you, Chair. I move that the school board approve the FY 2024 FCCPS legislative package as presented. Thank you. Could I have a second, please? Thank you, Vice Chair Gould. All those in favor say yes. 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 All those opposed say no. Thank you, motion carries. And we are now at 8.02. Um, this is the FY 2025 through 2030 CIP presentation. And Dr. Noonan, would you like to kick us off? I would, thank you. Um, we are uh, always pleased to have um, our Director of Facilities uh, with us, uh, Brian Fowler. Uh, Brian tonight is gonna share with you the Capital Improvement Plan uh, for 25 through uh, 2030. Um, it's a five-year plan. There's one thing in there that I wanna call your attention to just to upfront, um, front load a little bit so that you're aware. Um, we have um, shown Oak Street in the out years for needing renovation or potentially an addition. Um, and we have, um, as a consequence of some, some money we received from 
Senator Saslaw, before he retired, been able to reduce that amount um, needed in the out years for Oak Street. So for example, in renovations, oftentimes we'll change the windows out. Um, oftentimes we'll change the interior doors that are on um, metallic or um, uh, on, on hold um, that will close in an emergency. Some of those things will be done as part of our um, revisiting uh, of Oak Street with um, Senator Saslaw's money that he so courageously got for us in Richmond. Um, because we've reduced the amount um, at Oak Street, what I have proposed in the capital improvement plan is to pull forward a commensurate amount associated with the need to replace um, the uh, press box at the, the high school. <coughs> so in other words, we've reduced the out years Oak Street by about 600,000 roughly um, and asked that that be provided actually this year uh, from uh, the city council and we're hoping that we'll be able to um, get that money into a budget adjustment that will be done in January um, by the city council uh, and we've been working with our partners on the general government side uh, to see if we might be able to get that into that budget adjustment in January that would allow us to break ground sooner on that uh, new press box. In the event that we're not able to do that with the adoption of the CIP, we then would actually have that money in next year's budget after July 1. Um, so again, we're hoping to get it this year. Uh, it will be, and we're working through that with the general government, but in, in the event we don't, we could, uh, if this is adopted and incorporated into the city's CIP, have that money uh, as early as July 1 this summer. Um, but I wanted to make sure you knew that there's, there's a trade-off, right? We're pulling some money from Oak Street ahead to now to offset, but that money that's being pulled from the Oak Street renovation will be covered with the additional funding we received from uh, Senator Saslaw. So with that, um, I'm going to turn it over to, to uh, Mr. Fowler, Fowler, who's going to share, I think, some generally good news, and that is that our facilities are in great shape. So uh, Mr. Fowler, take us away. So. Uh I think we're kind of done. Dr. Noonan kind of cleared it all up. Like, I think we, you know, uh, again, thank you for having me. I'm Brian Fowler. Uh, it's that time of the year, everybody's favorite school board meeting of the year where everybody's excited about the CIP, as we can see. Uh, everyone came out tonight for it. Um, I did want to say, like, sitting here, I'm a, I'm a big family guy. I don't, I don't want to linger on in my thoughts either, but uh, watching everyone's families come out tonight to support the the two on, or the members that are coming on once current anyway, but uh, and watching all the happiness and joy and the pride that families take in that you know everybody it was really great to see. Uh, I do want to say on the other side of that happiness though, there has to be a sad moment, and for the two outgoing mo you know members, uh, do know that this is going to be the last CIP you know presentation that you have to sit through. So. You know, I know you can save the tears for later when you get home, but just know there is a reality to it. All right, so we'll get started. Enough of my stupid jokes. Um, we all are kind of familiar with what the capital improvement plan is. It's an improvement or an addition to the permanent structure that will change or restore the aspect of the property and enhance its overall value, prolong its useful life, or adapt it for some new uses. Uh, we use it as a tool to coordinate the location timing of these projects. Uh, we do it over the time span of five years. And we use a lot of the data as what we have in student enrollment as what we're gonna need for new construction, capacity enhancements, renovations, and site acquisitions. 
So you'll see on the next we have what is the enrollment projections. Uh, I think you all are very familiar with these numbers because they were presented to you by the Stephen Fuller Institute in November. Uh, so uh, as you can see, even though we have growth, it looks like we will stay within the walls, as sort of say. On the next one is what the projections are into about 2045, 2050. Uh, you do see that we do have a tremendous amount of growth, but for the most part, we do stay within our bounds. Uh, there are a couple iffy areas, but by that time, all of us will be gone, so it would be somebody else's problem. All right, on the next one, we have what we've put together is kind of an overview of the facility so you guys have an idea of where we're at. So we went, just kind of gave you a general overview of the roof, HVAC, the plumbing, what that expected lifespan is, and where, like when it was upgraded at schools currently. As you can see, uh, most of our stuff is generally pretty new. Uh, when, when you do look at things, if you see anything concerning that does look like it's nearing it, like elevators or roofs, do know that some of our roofs are not in a, like an area where they do get a lot of like tree fall, like they're very well kept, you know, there's nothing within the area. And elevators do not get what is considered the average amount of use, they're very, very little used. So an overview of some of the projects that we, all of us in the room have completed in 2023. Uh, we, we were able to install tennis court lights with a joint effort with Falls Church Parks and Recreation. Uh, Mary Ellen Henderson, we did a full HVAC replacement that was completed this past summer. And at Oak Street, we're finishing up the secure vestibule and the ADA accessibility at the main entrance. Uh, and just to give you a little update on that, uh, they were putting in all the low voltage badge, badge readers today. They're going to be here next week to put in all the windows and finish up the project totally over the break. So we'll go into some of the schools. Uh, Jesse Thackeray Preschool. Uh, at the time, in this five-year span, we don't see a need for any major capital improvements there. Mount Daniel falls kind of in the same. Um, You'll see that there has been, we opened this up this year to, to outside input so that we could get some ideas from the community on what they would see. And you'll see that people do want some things in Mount Daniel, but it kind of falls in a different category, not really in a CIP issue. As Dr. Noonan already had gotten into Oak Street Elementary, uh, what we would like to look into doing is putting a security vestibule on the back side of the school, on the Seton Avenue side and doing a lot of more security improvements. And plus the pre-2012 section of the school is gonna be in need of uh, a lot of upgrades. You know, like Dr. Noonan said, windows, some bathroom remodels. And you'll see that's included in uh, the 2026-27 plan. Sorry, fat thumbs. All right, Mary Ellen Henderson Middle School, we've already done a lot in the past few years, all the new flooring, HVAC. Uh, in the next five years, we don't see any kind of great need there. Meridian High School, the famous press box, the field house outside. If we see that as our, uh, as our next big undertaking, along with the baseball field, which all have already approved. Um, the field houses, you know, does need to be brought up to a different, you know, to kind of be in fall in line with the rest of our beautiful campus. Um, and so we're, like Dr. Noonan said, we've kind of put a placeholder for $600,000. We would like to open that up for people's suggestions of how they would like to see the, what they would like to see in the improvement of the building before we moved forward. But uh, we'll address that. 
So this year, as I said, we opened this up to some like school-based groups, uh, like PTA, uh, athletic boosters and such, and we let the community kind of have a say in what they would like to see at some of the locations. The biggest overall thing, as you'll see, I'm not going to read them all to you, but uh, it looks like the swim folks would like to have a pool, and we will address that with the general government. We'll talk, we'll talk with them about it, but that was a big one. And then we had what would fall into what we don't consider CIP request, uh, but we do see where we could address this to make everyone happy, to the best of our ability anyway, under our maintenance uh, projects. Uh, and some of them is like just painting and you know, general like f f stuff outside, like fencing and stuff as such. But I'm not going to read them all to you. Uh, when you have no time or plenty of time and nothing to do, I'll let you get into all of them. So uh, I think that kind of wraps it up for me. Thank you, Mr. Fowler. Uh, yes, Ms. Silverman, do you have any questions? Thank you for that presentation. Um, on Mary Ellen Henderson, the roof was in, 20, in 2005, and the lifespan is 20 years. So wouldn't that be coming up or, or no? So like, like what I was saying, that roof has had no, like there's no trees. It has no other kind of out exterior problem, you know, anything. And knock on wood, we've had no, like that, we've had it inspected a couple times in the last couple of years. Uh, and they said it's got a, at least another 15 years on it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry if I missed that. Thank you. Oh, that's okay. Huh. Yes, Dr. Ortiz? Yeah, so on the roof, I mean, there's obviously, you know, there's, there's a different components to the roof. So, I mean, there are probably some maintenance things like caulking and various things like that, but that falls into, um, um, just general um, operations rather than this kind of capital investments that you would need to keep it up. Correct. Okay. Ms. Tice, did you have some questions? Thank you so much. A couple quick questions. The uh, concession stand with that $600,000 number, is that based on an actual quote or where does that number come from? So when the high school project was undertaken, I believe it was discussed with Gil Bain some of the ideas that would be thrown into it. That was kind of the general number that was tossed around. Uh, we kind of stuck with that number because that was based off of their projections. Granted, I don't know what people are gonna come with what they want to see in that building. So obviously, you know, we would have to address the number as people say, you know, they want it to be a double decker with, you know, closed in, you know, press boxes. But, you know, that, that's basically the base. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I, I just would imagine that even that number is several years old at this point and with the, all the costs skyrocketing. I think if you look at it in terms of like what that facility is, what do we really want out of it? Um, for, this, for a school of our size, if anyone's attended games, for the majority, the size, and we're okay. You know, like football games, maybe sometimes we get a lot of people, but for the majority of like all of our other sports that are played out there, the size of what we have, we may want to look at maybe changing the configuration, but I don't believe we need, to, it doesn't have to be a full blown, you know, we've got to have 25 bathrooms out there. I think we have to really keep it, you know, for what we really are. Right, so the idea is just to renovate it, not to start from scratch. Correct. I, I think that's still up for discussion, actually. We may, I think we want to determine what the best route forward is. Um, our best route forward might be to tear it down and start over. I think we just need to make sure that we get all the information we need before we make that final decision. Right. It just, it, it sounds like 600,000 might be low if that's really the case that we're starting from scratch. <coughs> uh, my other question was um, just 
was about the security at, um, at Meridian and I'm trying to find where it was. I've lost track of it. Um, down in the non-CIP requests. I was just curious about the um, increased security due to adjacent development. What, what kinds of things that might include? What was being asked for? So as they are starting to open up that facility, uh, we're working with Joe Carter with the emergency management. We've been working with the police department. Uh, and we, like currently we have somebody that is stationed at the front door of the high school someone that patrols and someone stationed at Mary Ellen full time. Uh, as we look into what it, the building, what that complex actually brings to us, we'll start addressing more and more whether we need more eyes, you know, something else. But until it's really there, we, you know, just don't know yet. We, we also understand from um, City Manager uh, Shields' presentation of the budget that he is looking at adding public safety officers um, to the street in his budget uh, because of the growth and development across the city and specifically on the West End. So I would anticipate that we'll see some more, um, more police presence in that area as well as that uh, continues to grow. Great, and this is really nitty gritty, but I'm just curious about the Mount Daniel Elementary School allow front doors to be propped open without staff present. Is that just because it starts beeping if you prop it? Or so what the thinking there? I included all the input that was put in, whether it was good input or not. Uh, so you can kind of see, like I wanted to be transparent with what everyone had put in. Uh, obviously that's not what we would do, um, but I just wanted everyone to see it. Okay, thank you. And the uh, community facility requests for the pool, given the nine members or nine community members that gave feedback, I, there's, is there any plans for a pool or is that that's just not feasible given our size and where we're at with layout? How, how big is your yard? <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, in my dealings, I have no, we have not discussed a pool. We, we um, just, just for the information um, for the board, when we were going through the process of building the new high school, there was a lot of... Uh, almost a charrette done just to sort of see what it would look like um, from soup to nuts if we would even be able to and feasibly get a swimming pool on that site. Um, and when we looked at it, there there wasn't any feasibility um, of that. So I don't anticipate that there'll be any public school um, natatorium in any anyone's future uh, uh, right now. I think there are some, there may are, there may be some sites across the city um, that might be able to accommodate a public swimming pool, but um, it won't be on one of our school sites. Makes sense. Thanks. <laughs> yes, Dr. Dimick. I see in the um, the non-CIP request from the secondary campus, um, where is it? Walking path from Virginia Tech parking lot. I know a lot of. Oops, sorry. I know a lot of uh, students park there and people park there during events. But it seems like this is a short-lived thing because as soon as HIT starts developing their will be no extra parking at the Virginia Tech, but do we have a timeline on any of that? We, we do, we expect them to start that construction a year from this January. We also are in negotiation with them about a, uh, a pass-through gate that actually could be locked during the day and opened in the afternoon where students could step down and they're, uh, I, we, we probably won't have any parking there, but there could be some paths through opportunities and some permeability in that site um, as time goes by. And again, it was, we just put all the info in. 
Uh, well, speaking of all the info in, um, so a couple, I, I actually lo love the non-CIP request because I always think it's like gives us a really detail like on the ground, you know, understanding of what are some of the things the staff want. Um, so with the air conditioning, I'm assuming is that at Mary Ellen Henderson because it's, it's like full, because it's new HVAC, right? And yeah. And, yep. But is it too powerful or something? That's what I heard. My son's like, it's free. So uh, what people don't understand, like when you're a public use building, you have to, you're required by law to bring in 10% outside air at all times. So in today's time and age, all the equipment is done with CO2 sensors. So as a room becomes more occupied and the carbon, the, the carbon dioxide levels go up, it increases the outside flow of outside air. So like on a day when it's 20, out, you have 20 degree air coming across what might be a 100 degree coil, but obviously the 100 degree coil is not going to stay 100 degrees with 20 degree air coming across it. So in the time it heats the room or cools the room, in the off time of heating and cooling, it's 100% bringing in outside air all the time at a 10% level. So people aren't used to the automation of the building, and it's more so just education of you know, what, what the system is actually doing. A lot of people think it's just like your house and it's nothing like a house. Okay. Um, and then the playground, that's I'm assuming for Mary Ellen Henderson. Yeah. Um, and I know that's something I think they brought recess back as short as it is. My boys are always like, we need longer recess. Is that, is, is there any space for like a, something, some kind of structure there? Or? I think it would have to be talked about, about like what kind of equipment, but I, yeah, there's not a lot of space, but yeah. Okay. Um, yes, Ms. Silverman. Um, for these non-CIP requests, were these from teachers and staff? Where, where did, or were these strictly community? How did how did all uh, some were staff, some were uh, school like uh, PTA group, like those kind of things. So, were staff uh, was each staff person allowed to submit any ideas that they wanted? Like, how were they informed about this process? We didn't go all in on all staff. Okay. Or you'd be reading 75 pages probably. Sure, sure, I understand. So, yeah, well, every year we just kind of broaden it out a little bit more and a little bit more. Are the principals responsible for going to staff to say, like, hey, submit any ideas that you have? I believe so, yes. Um, I, well, first and foremost, I want to commend um, Mr. Fowler for expanding this. We, we didn't ever, until he took over, ask anybody else any questions about non-CIP issues it, that came out in this presentation. So he's sharing with you a lot of operational data. Um, Which we love. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could bore you forever. I'm not sure about really Dr. Noonan, but we uh, love it. <laughs> you, you all could live in operations. I, I'm aware. Um, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate that. Um, our principals are the ones that have the most on the ground knowledge of what the buildings need. Um, and what you'll see in here are some things that like allowing the doors to be propped open without staff present at Mount Daniel. Well, that's a, an interesting CIP request. It's a massive safety issue. So, um, so we, we do put these in, uh, Brian, uh, Mr. Fowler did put these in just for your information, but um, there are some certain things we won't do in here and we wouldn't do any of them without principal's input, and then that principal typically would go back to their staff and say, hey, um, we're thinking about doing this, what do you think? Um, and so there is a feedback loop that way. Yeah, I was just curious, I was just more curious if staff 
have, has the ability to give any input of like, hey, you know, we need this fixed or that fixed so or that. A hundred percent. Okay. And there, there's a staff advisory council at each of the schools that meets once a month. And uh, oftentimes it's these kinds of things that come up. I, I'll just share with you very quickly. When I ran my very first staff advisory council at um, a new school where I'd just become principal, the first thing that came up was for some reason um, our toilet paper holders were square. And so the rolls didn't roll. And so they wanted to change out the toilet paper holders. But it's those kinds of things that we're able to do just like that to sort of help with keeping people happy. It was the first thing I did as the principal. It's kind of the weirdest thing I think a principal ever did their first day on the job. But boy, did it make people happy. But our staff have that same opportunity. And yeah, I just want to thank you for that clarification. I just, you know, for staff to feel happy and comfortable and feeling they're like in a very good physical, positive physical environment, I'm happy that they can give the input and I'm assuming to each of their principals or to this advisory committee um, in order to, for any ideas. Thank you. So, uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, if I can give one more shout out, one of the great things that I found when I came to Falls Church City Public Schools is we allow all of our staff to submit any maintenance requests, right? So even maintenance requests don't need to be funneled through the principal or their admin assistant. Any staff person can put them in. And then just another huge shout out to our middle school community. They've actually started a Google form so students can report something that needs attention and then admin can um, look at it and ensure it gets put in the system. So we really do think we have a robust feedback loop for getting maintenance and keeping our staff um, in great facilities and keeping them comfortable and happy is, is really something that's a very high priority to us. That sounds great, thank you. Thank you, but we don't need to know about toilet paper holders. Um, but uh, Mr. Fowler, two questions I had um, along with still going on with the non-CIP requests. Um, well, I guess one is more of a comment with the scoreboard. I know Dr. Noon, you and I have talked, you know, in terms of um, I was thrilled that this board went ahead and approved the funding for the baseball field. And I feel like the last two pieces to really make the campus all look in alignment and be finished would be the concession stand and that scoreboard. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the football scoreboard, it is a mess. Um, so that is, and I think Dr. Noon, you said that's sort of in the works that you've been talking with different, um, the boosters and different groups about that. They've been having more conversations about it than I have okay. with them, okay. um, but I do know that it's on everybody's radar. Okay, and and not just from a look perspective, it's not working that well. There, yeah, there are these cartridges that have to that blow, and they have to put new ones in to get it going. So there's been a couple times this year that it's gone out. Right, right, okay. And then the uh, actually the one I was really curious about was the remove overhead walkway to the auxiliary gym that goes through the main gym. Did you read that? Okay. <laughs> so, again, every, everything was just put in. It doesn't mean we were supporting it. No, no, I know, it. but it's just, I, what is the issue there? Like, they don't I, want people... I think, the, I think the issue is that the teachers might feel like anyone who's walking through there might be interrupting their class. Uh, so I think, and the other thing is, inbounding a basketball from underneath the overhang that's, of that's walking in. Okay. Like, you can do a lob, you but, know, kind of a lay-in, and I don't think it's quite, you know, it, okay. it kind of overhangs and is intrusive, as well, I think what that person's... Refresh my memory. How do you get... Is that the only way... How else do you get to that track? That's... Is the, that the only way to get to well, the track? Well, there's, there's one other way through a back hallway, but it's really hard to get there. Okay, so the there would hallway. be... That would be a big... You'd I mean, have this to figure a, out. This was purposely designed this way. Right. No, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it. how do we get to yeah. the track, then, if that were the yeah, case? Yeah, I think... Okay. I think uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Curious. 
Any other questions from it? Yes, Ms. Tice. I forgot one one last question. I'm actually back onto the CIP. The facilities overview, and forgive me if I missed this, um, with the elevators, there, there's no date for the Oak Street one, and the Henderson one is at 05. I'm just wondering what the... So the Henderson one last year went over, had a... Uh, it actually had what the main motherboard crashed, and that's the only operational part of that. So ThyssenKrupp said that we were good on that one for at least another 20 years because there's nothing wrong with the car or the hydraulics. Uh, the one at Oak Street, I, I believe it was revamped in 2012. And ThyssenKrupp wasn't a part of that revamping, so they're not exactly sure. But it's inspected twice a year, and every, they said we've still got plenty of usage out of it. Okay, thank you. Yes, Dr. Ortiz. Yeah, um, uh, notwithstanding the current state of the concession stand, I wanted to hear either from, from you, Mr. Fowler, or Dr. Noonan, whether or not you have concerns about diverting resources away from the Oak Street improvements, or you feel as if that the timing there is um, reasonable, you know, within the five-year window in order to make, you know, to, to do both of those improvements in the order you've suggested? I, I, I'll start, and then if, if Mr. Fowler wants to chime in, he's more than welcome. Um, I'm very comfortable with, uh, um, with the shift um, simply because of the money that we received through the earmark from Senator Saslaw. I, I do believe that a lot of the uh, items that we would do in a normal course of a renovation will be taken care of in some ways with, with the, that, that funding as opposed to the CIP funding. And I think the time frame is good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Noon. Any other questions or comments for Mr. Fowler? Okay, well, thank you so much. For you sure? This is y'all's last one. <laughs> <laughs> it's very informative. Thank you so much. All right, and, thank y'all much. Yeah, and I believe, um, Dr. Noonan, that will be approved at the new board's first meeting right. in January. Is that yep, right? That's right. Okay. So um, that might be um, something that we just um, need to make sure that the new board, board members are... Uh, briefed on. Okay, so we're now at 8.03, and thank you again, Mr. Fowler, uh, for approval of City of Falls Church easement, and um, Dr. Noonan, or go to Ms. Minson? Or? You go right to Ms. Minson. Okay, Ms. Minson. Uh, good evening. This is, um, there are two easements back-to-back -back for the board. These are the same versions that were presented um, at the work session um, last month, for which there are no questions, but happy to answer any questions about the deed of easement or the deed of gift and donation. Thank you. Any questions for Ms. Minson on this? Okay, if we could have a motion, please. Yes, Dr. Anderson. I move that the school board authorize the school board chair to sign the deed of easement between the Falls Church City School Board and the City of Falls Church, Virginia, as presented, subject to changes approved by the superintendent that do not materially adversely affect the school board's position. Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you, Ms. Silverman. All those in favor say yes. Yes. Yeah. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. And we're now at 8.04, approval of VDOT easement. And I'll turn it back over to Ms. Minson. This is also the same easement that was presented at the last work session, for which there are no questions. Happy to answer um, any if there are some now. Any questions from anyone? Okay. If I could have a motion, please. I got it. Yes, Dr. Ortiz. That the school board, uh, I move that the school board authorize the school board chair to sign the deed of gift and donation between the Falls Church City School Board and the Commonwealth of Virginia Department of Transportation as presented, subject to changes approved by the superintendent that do not materially af adversely affect the school board's position. 
Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Could I have a second? Thank you, Dr. Dimmick. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. Okay, we're now at 8.05. Um, this is a, a piece of action and discussion. Uh, this is uh, to just refresh everyone's memories. This was um, use of one-time money um, to be used for new school buses. And so this board had um, talked about um, Last we, our last meeting, we had a terrific presentation um, from Ms. Regina Anderson and, and Ms. Michael and really talked to us about, um, just gave us the, the, the whole um, 101 on buses and you know the pros and cons of diesel and electric. And I think it was really informative for all of us. Um, there is, you know, there's definitely cost difference between the two. Um, electric buses more than double the cost of a diesel. Um, of course, an electric bus is is helpful with emissions and, and envir our environmental um, goals, and you know, working with the, hand in hand with the uh, general government in terms of trying to um, become you know reducing our carbon footprint. But um, the other piece to that is that you know we do need um, a certain number of diesel buses for our athletic trips and any other kind of field trips that are that are further away um, because electric is not. As reliable in that sense. So um, after we had that presentation, I asked um, school board members to let me know how they're feeling. And the attached uh, memo was, um, so I think, uh, basically a, a compilation of all the feedback that we had received um, from five. Thank you, from five school board members, and um, basically just talking about you know right now I think that the the that the majority of the board felt that it was probably more prudent to just go with one electric bus and one diesel bus um, with the idea that this, you know, we would still be increasing our ratio of electric to diesel, um, but maybe not at this point going all in. Um, there have been some, you know, some, some challenges with uh, maintenance with the electric buses. Um, again, needing those, those diesel ones for longer trips. We're expecting another electric bus to come in March um, from um, a grant or some funding we received from Congressman Byer, Byer and um, we also, you know, it's our understanding that as time goes on, goes by, electric buses will come down in price and, you know, we can always look at for grants for electric buses. So I think this board felt like, um, you know, with with budgets coming and, and just the all of those um, reasons I just stated that maybe it would be more prudent right now to go with one diesel and one electric and that's the motion in front of us. So I just wanted to see if anyone had any comments about this motion. No? Yes, Dr. Ortiz. Um, so just, I think, just to review what the, the motion will end up, the, 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 you, know, the, we, you know, we are in a situation where there are several diesel buses which just don't work. Um, um, I see there's an opportunity for some enterprising students, perhaps. Um, uh, and, um, you know, remind me, I think, um, Ms. Michael or Dr. Noonan, the charging infrastructure we have is sufficient to accommodate eight buses, is that correct? Yes. And, and all of, and all of the electrical infrastructure is 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 in place there. It's just a matter of, you know, using them. Not to say that we need to fill it up tomorrow. I'm just correct. Just confirming. It's, it's in place. Okay. Um, and so and then and then just to confirm also the um, the maintenance issues had to do with I think I think Ms. Michael you put it as a kind of like user error like it's a different beast to manage. Um, and so you know we, you know as we get used to it it'll probably end up being a little smoother but. 
but you know, so it is what it is. Um, I think I think um, I, I'll I'll put the, I'll, I'll reiterate this I think during the the future topics. But I think given the fact that this is going to be a transition, is going to require some planning. I think sometime before we get into the next budget cycle. Um, to, to, it'd be nice to see both some finances as well as some planning around how we're going to build out our bus fleet because one of the things I heard from a number of different parents during the campaign a couple of years ago was that there was a lot of concern regarding just the diesel emissions um, and, and the effects on students. And, you know, and so, you know, we, to the degree that we can minimize that, um, you know, I think it's all for the better. Um, you know, I think practically speaking, um, the motion before us makes a lot of sense, but I'd like to see kind of a plan for you know where we're going and how we're going to you know maximize the use of the electric infrastructure that we have as well as the opportunities moving forward. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Yes, Dr. Dimick. Thanks, and just um, building on that, I, I won't be here, but Ms. Michael, I'm sure can do this. Um, one thing you've stressed is sort of making sure that we are planning and retiring and if we're now developing a fleet that, you know, in an ideal world it would be great if we had lots of electric buses, but we're still going to need those diesel buses and we, we, I guess we need to sort of slot them in so that we have always have some turnover and youth in our diesel bus fleet and then once we have electric and diesel how to, how to plan that out. That's absolutely correct. Um, as both Dr. Ortiz and Dr. Dimick said, having a sustainable plan, ensuring that not only we're financially able to afford replacing the buses, but that we are regularly replacing them and that our schedule is taking into account the uses that we need for athletics as well as the maintenance requirements, right? We need to ensure that we have enough buses to drive every day and we need to be sure we can maintain them. And then the other com critical component in here is looking at our future enrollment growth. Right, as we know from this school year, we have some very crowded buses, actually the most crowded that I'm sure all of you guys have seen in your time on the school board. Um, right, so the other thing we're going to need to factor into that plan is what is our enrollment and our bus fleet will likely need to grow to ensure that we have enough capacity to transmit or transport our kids to school every day. Thank you, um, Ms. Michael, and that's, you know, I, I had said that a couple of times that that is one of my, and that's part of the reason I think the board is here today to make sure that we get this approved so that it didn't get delayed into for another couple of months with the regular budget process. But I think that is something definitely that we need to consider. And it'll be interesting too once, you know, if assuming this motion passes this evening and we have the other bus coming in from that, from um, Congress and buyers, so we'll be up to four electric buses. So it'll just be interesting to hear back from you how that is going to manage four electric buses. Um, and, you know, I think it, it's slow but steady growth because it, it, it does take a lot more training, I'm assuming, yeah, from what you say. Did you, anyone else have any questions or comments? Okay. Okay, so um, if we could have, and um, Dr. Anderson, I'll actually, you sort of took the lead on this one, so I'll have you read the motion. I move that the Falls Church City School Board auth authorize an operating fund expenditure and corresponding use of fund balance of $456,241 to purchase one electric and one diesel school bus. Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you, Vice Chair Gould. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. 
All right, go buy those buses, Ms. Michael. <laughs> okay, so we are now at uh, 8.06 adoption of the 2025-2026 school calendar. And um, just a quick, um, you know, Dr. Noon and I and, and Vice Chair Gold were talking um, earlier today about how easy this process was back in back in the day when Dr. Dimmick and I first joined the board this was a huge you know months long process of community members and, and, and since we've adopted that calendar policy it, is, it has become it's pretty amazing how, how quickly this process has occurred now so I don't know Dr. Dimmick I mean sorry Dr. Noonan did you have any comments about this? Uh, just to say thank you um, to the board for really uh, clearing the deck for us on this um, in in some ways you know, by telling us that we have to start, by making out a policy that we start two weeks before Labor Day and have to end on or about the 5th of June, really in many ways with 180 days of school uh, and a two week winter break um, limits sort of our flexibility in some ways of where days go. Um, and this 25-26 calendar really fits nicely into that, um, into those parameters. So um, tonight we, we bring this to you as presented at the school board in, in hopes for adoption. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. And I believe that you did um, correct one of the, I think Ms. Silverman had brought it up or? I, I was actually just looking. I don't believe it's been corrected from what I'm seeing. We, um, we will double check. There are, uh, there are two or three different dates out there. And, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not, com I'm not confident in my belief here. Yeah, so, so if we could adopt it as is, and if there's a change, um, we, we can make that. Ms. Michael, did you want to? So we did change. Thank you so much for pointing out last time that date. We did do some additional research, and we looked at surrounding school divisions that had calendars in place already for the 25-26 year, and we did make the adjustment. Yeah. Um, but as Dr. Noonan indicated, I, I still think there could so, be a future potential So we think Diwali's the 21st, because um, I think that was the one we were looking at. Um, and so we did make that change from the first one, but... Um, if it does move, we will give lots of notice. We've got a year plus to. Yeah, to I, I just Googled it and it says the twentieth, but um, we can, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, if we can have it figured out like earlier rather than later, I just don't want to enter into that school year and have people, you know, say that we're not doing our own due diligence to put down the holidays on the right date. Of course, right. we also um, leverage the. Uh, calendars of other school divisions that also have it on the 21st. So we've, we figured we were in good company. If we, if we got it wrong, we all got it wrong. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Silverman. Okay. So we are, sorry, I just lost it. Okay. So we're at, oh, did someone have a question? Yeah, I have a, I oh, have sorry, a Dr. Ortiz. Um, uh, and this is, again, I, I think, I think I'm, you know, the, 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 it's terrific that you're able to have a, you know, produce the calendar so quickly. I do have a question about um, graduation being that Tuesday after Memorial Day. You know, Memorial Day is a day where, um, you know, not a lot of people are doing any work, and I know the run-up to graduation is a whole lot of work. Um, and so I just want to see the degree to which, and I think this is, this is the first year that we're going to be doing it that way. You know, maybe if we have some lessons learned that we need to implement moving forward, we might want to make some adjustments sure. down the we, road. We've discussed this pretty extensively with our um, maintenance custodial crew and kind of how that's going to work. We've gotten the uh, setup and takedown now on the field pretty well um, 
uh, I guess I was going to say, we, we've got it sort of figured out and they can get the stage up and taken down really quickly. So they'll be in early that day to put the stage up, get the chairs out. Um, so it wouldn't happen outside of the, the work day of the day after Memorial Day. Thank you, Dr. But, we'll, but we will learn some lessons, I'm sure, this year. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Okay, so we're at 8.06. If I could have someone uh, make a motion to adopt the calendar. Yes, Vice Chair Gould. I move that the school board adopt the 2025-2026 school calendar as presented. Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you, Dr. Dimmick. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. And. Um, Dr. Noonan, I, with Mr. Brett in the audience, would we be able to then run this in morning announcements? Yes. <laughs> I'm looking at him just to make sure, but we, we can run it in morning announcements. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just as like a, sorry, I don't mean to give sure. instructions to your we'll, staff, but like a, pull it out as like a, not just the. We'll get it out. Yeah, there. you know, however. Yep. Okay. Because sometimes, we people, a lot of believe stuff it or not, not, a, not everyone reads the, the morning after. Uh, summary of the school board meeting. So if we could just like pull it out in its own special box, that would be great. Okay. So thank you, Mr. Brett. Um, we're at 8.07, second reading of policy CD secondary start times. And um, this has been, um, I, you know, I think we've talked about this. Um, I mean, I know we've talked about this numerous times. Uh, we started this process back in the spring and Vice Chair Gold, your count was 11 different town halls, is that right? So. 10 or 11 different town halls um, between students um, and uh, Mr. Lewin helped us with the with the student town hall, our East Hall community and Dr. Ortiz helped us with that. Um, also staff from all the different schools and parents from all the different schools. And so um, secondary start times, um, most impacts mostly the secondary campus and the idea is that we would start uh, school at 830 with the end time at 310 and that is really to follow um, all the research that's out there um, talking about really the gold standard is to start secondary no no earlier than 830 because of um, teenage sleep patterns and and mental health and uh, that sort of thing. So we, we um, had done a number of town halls and we had first reading last week. And so this policy has not changed um, since our first reading. And um, it is before you. So does anyone want to, before we make a motion to uh, vote on this, does anyone have anything they wanted to talk about with this policy? Yes, Ms. Silverman. I just want to say that I will be voting no on this um, for a reason that you did not mention um, because of its negative effect on the elementary school start times and end times. Um, I was hoping that this board would see that a slight shift in the start time and end time of the secondary campus to 820 to 3 o'clock I believe that would be um, would have been a, a good way to go about this in order to also not negatively affect the elementary schools but I believe I'm in the minority on this, so thank you. Thank you, Ms. Silverman. Any other comments? Yes, Dr. Ortiz. Just um, shortly, I, I agree with Ms. Silverman. Thank you. Any other comments? Okay, so if I could have someone to read the, uh, we're at 8.04, read the motion um, for policy CD. Yes, Vice Chair Gould. Um, I move that the school board approve second reading and adoption of policy CD secondary school start times as presented. 
Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you, Dr. Anderson. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. No. Okay, and Ms. Goodell, should we take a roll on that roll call? Okay. Um, Dr. Anderson? Yes. Dr. Dimick? Yes. Ms. Downs? Yes. Dr. Gould? Yes. Dr. Ortiz? No. Ms. Silverman? No. And Ms. Tice? Yes. Thank you. And the motion passes. Thank you. Okay, now we're, at, we're now at um, the second reading of Policy CE, early release Wednesdays. And um, I'm sorry, Ms. Minson, am I t stealing your thunder here today? <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the, again, similar to, to the introduction I made for start times, uh, this has been a long process that we started way back in the spring. And we heard from, you know, multiple segments of the community during these town halls. And, you know, I think everyone, of course, wants to, um, and I've said this many times publicly, two things can be true. Everyone wants to support teachers, but this is, um, early release Wednesdays are um, very difficult for parents who, when both parents are working or for single um, parent households. Uh, so, you know, in that case, and I, I know that there are parents who find early release Wednesdays difficult, and of course they want to support their teachers, but nonetheless they, they do find these difficult for, for in terms of childcare. So I know Dr. Noonan, um, you and Vice Chair Gould and I spoke this morning, and you had mentioned that, that you've been doing some um, discussions uh, with your staff. I don't know if you wanted about if there's any more capacity for daycare and on early release Wednesdays. Yeah, no, I think it's a good question. Thank you. Um, I, I think the question around uh, capacity is an important one um, because when we think about capacity, we think about space, right? So um, in, in broad strokes, uh, let me just say this, and that is that I think that we um, will likely be able to provide a Wednesday option for students, um, assuming we can find the staff to do it, um, and the pay is right and, and the like, um, and, and then open approximately 30 additional slots to our, uh, both at Mount Daniel and at Oak Street. We currently staff daycare at 15 to one. So in order to stay in compliance, um, I, I think if we could get two more people at each site, that would open 30 more um, opportunities. Right now, um, we serve almost 200 students at both Mount Daniel and at Oak Street. Uh, on Wednesdays already, so I'm not sure exactly what the need is, um, but it gives us an opportunity to kind of get a sense for what the need is and at least get started thinking about hiring some people. Um, our hope is that we can tap into some of the folks that are already in the system. We have some uh, first grade paras that might be interested. We have some folks that work in our clinics that might be interested. Um, we also are going to speak to um, our high school students that are seniors that have study hall last period to see if they might be interested on Wednesdays to come down. But we're going to seek a variety of different um, options and opportunities for students. So that's workforce. That's workforce stuff. I think the challenge, um, the next challenge, will be space. Um, currently, we, uh, you know, our cafeteria at Oak Street and at Mount Daniel are pretty much at capacity with the students that they already serve in the daycare. Um, but if we can find good rotations through the gym and through uh, outdoor areas on nice days um, and, and the like, we may be able to uh, accommodate additional. So we're working through it. Um, I, I don't want to make a promise I can't keep, but I, I do want to let you know that um, we are planning to sort of put the full court press on to try to open additional slots on Wednesdays um, if we can find the staff. Thank you, Dr. Noon. Yes, Ms. Silverman. 
I also uh, will be voting no on this um, for reasons um, that you also didn't state. I just wanted to add that it's yes, it's a it's a um, it's a it's a hardship on 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 many parents and on many working. Uh, working parents and on many families, but the biggest issue to me is the inequity of this uh, of the current policy in order to have early release Wednesdays because it really I think um, exacerbates the disparities between um, children who have abilities to do extracurriculars and other children who do not have those um, those financial abilities and, and logistical abilities to do all those extracurriculars. So because of equity reasons, I will be voting no. Thank you, Ms. Silverman. Dr. Ortiz. Yeah, I am. Um, I'll also be voting no. <coughs> I also I agree with, with uh, Ms. Silverman, um, but I also have a couple of other um, thoughts. Um, you know, one of the things that the, the board heard in our town halls um, was that at Jesse Thackeray that early release was actually somewhat not needed. Um, and it's not, you know, that's actually not necessarily, this is about elementary schools, and so we're not necessarily covering Jesse Thackeray here. Um, so there's still latitude for, for Jesse Thackeray to, um, you know, to, to, for changes to be made there. Um, and what we discovered was that, you know, what's used, you know, and I think just, just to reiterate, we discovered that the Wednesdays are used because students aren't there by teachers to do um, both vertical planning as well as to engage with um, parents and others. And that's tremendously useful. And I don't want to diminish the fact that that's a tremendously useful activity. Um, and, um, and then Dr. Noonan basically said, you know, it's, it's really tough to, you know, you can, you can do horizontal planning, you can do vertical planning, you can't do both. Um, you know, I, um, I appreciate the challenges associated with that, but I don't think we actually dug in enough to really determine whether or not there's some feasible option to provide for that un under some conditions. Um, and um, so I think that we're prematurely codifying a practice um, without actually having really um, gone through a lot of the additional work that would be needed. You know, the town halls are one thing, but actually going through and thinking through what practical solutions might be there is um, to, to resolve as the equity issues um, is, is something, is, is another set of activities that I think the board should be doing. Um, I would be okay continuing the current practice just without a policy while we continue to work through that. But since this is a policy before us, I'll be voting no on it. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Any other comments? Yes, Dr. Anderson. Thank you guys for all the work that you've done on this. Um, I, um, I do agree uh, with uh, Ms. Silverman's statements on equity, but I do think that having some commitment to uh, ensuring that uh, those students have access to Wednesday aftercare, um, hopefully uh, we can get that done. Um, but I will say the, the one thing that I thought we consistently heard uh, throughout the town halls and uh, from several emails was that consistency was actually a, a big thing and I thought that could be an improvement um, and that's not in this policy so I'll be voting no as well. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Anderson. Any other comments? Okay. So we are at 8.08. Uh, .08. If I could have a motion um, to approve the second reading of policy CE, please. Yes, Dr. Dimmick. Chair, I move that the school board approve, approve second reading and adoption of policy CE, early release Wednesdays as presented. Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you, Ms. Tice. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. No. Motion carries. Ms. Goodell, do you feel like we should do roll? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Anderson? No. 
Dr. Dimmick? Yes. Ms. Downs? Yes. Dr. Gould? Yes. Dr. Ortiz? No. Ms. Silverman? No. And Ms. Tice? Yes. Yes, and thank you. The motion. Thank you very much. And thanks to every, all of my colleagues um, at, at sitting on the dais with me today. This is the end of a very long process, as we know, that, that started in the spring. And it was, um, you know, I think this is more outreach than I, than I ever remember being, you know, on the since I've been on the board, um, reaching out to the community, going and meeting with people, you know, on the weekends and in the schools. So I think this is, um, you know, and I know we've talked about this as we always review sort of our policies and procedures and what could we have done better. And I think this is really a vast improvement on, on uh, really getting feedback from the community and, and going out there and, and listening to, to everyone. And, and, you know, one of the hard things about being on the school board is we can't make everyone as much as we'd love to be able to solve it and make everyone happy that it's, it's difficult to do. So I just thank everyone for their, um, you know, good work on this. And uh, you know, I... Um, you all, and you know, if you all want to talk about this, you know, at a future date, that that's definitely open. But again, thank you for everyone um, for your due diligence and work on this. Okay, we're going to move on now to 8.09, first reading of policies, and now I'll turn it over to Ms. Minson. Thank you. We have two policies for first reading this evening. The first is policy IL testing programs. This would replace our current policy 6.41 testing program. Um, our current policy actually doesn't have much language in common with the VSBA model policy, um, but none of the language that, that is in our current policy that was last reviewed in 2011 is required. Um, I did have a chance to work through this thanks to Dr. Bates and Dr. Weilman. Um, I think we're going to be bringing a few policies relating to instruction over the coming months, um, but we think that this one is ready for the board's review and um, first reading. Happy to answer any questions about policy IL testing programs. Any questions from anyone on that? Okay. All right. And then the final policy for first reading this evening is policy IIAE, Innovative or Experimental Programs. We do not have a current policy um, that states this and do think that it's important in moving towards the VSBA model policies to have this policy, which is a simple um, sentence that says any experimental innovative programs that are not consistent with accreditation standards or other um, regulations from the Board of Ed have to be submitted to the Board of Education for approval prior, prior to implementation. So it's something we, we would do, makes sense to have the policy. Happy to answer any questions about this policy, IIAE. Yes, Vice Chair Gould. Um, it looks like there was a change made in line 17. Does that same change need to be made in 18 uh, based on, looks like a pronoun? Or is that... Fine. Thank you. That would be in policy IL, and that I'm sorry, pilot, is a yes. change that should be there. So I will make that change okay. and have that ready for for second reading next month. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Gould. And there are comments. Yes, Ms. Tice. I was just curious. What um, do we have any programs that would fall under this policy currently, or examples of theoretical programs that we might consider? Just curious. Yeah, thanks for the question. Not at this time. Um, it's pretty expansive, and so uh, when we look at you know what they're talking about as far as innovative and experimental, exper uh, experimental, excuse me, um, programs that could be anything from like specific use of technology to um, extending school hours or instructional hours um, beyond uh, the regular school day, and so um, those aren't things that we're doing. So we're just looking at this because it's part of the VSBA model policy, not because we're 
working currently have or working towards anything that would co be covered under this policy. That's Cor right. Okay. Correct. That's Thanks. Right. We're not planning to start year-round school or anything like that. So. <laughs> right. Maybe that was a bad example. <laughs> Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Okay. So uh, if I could have a motion, uh, we're at 8.09 to approve first reading. Yes, Dr. Ortiz. That the school board approve first reading of policies IL as amended, um, uh, testing programs, and IIAE innovative or experimental programs as presented. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Could I have a second? Thank you, Dr. Anderson. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. And we're now at 9.01 future agenda items. Does anyone have any agenda items? Okay. Yes, Dr. Ortiz. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to reiterate the item I brought up regarding the transportation, um, uh, I guess transportation, it's the transportation plan, um, bus infrastructure planning, uh, finance and planning discussion. Sometime, you know, this is not urgent. I think sometime in the next year would be a good thing for the board to hear about. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Any others? Okay, well, I, I will, um, I think, you know, my colleagues know I'm going to uh, bring this up this evening. Um, so this is something that, and, and so does Dr. Noonan. This is not, I'm not surprising anyone here. Um, but this is something that I um, wish I had brought up sooner. But over the past, since I've been on the board, I've heard, um, and I think this is probably because uh, I have, our kids are involved in athletics, and I've, I've had athletic um, parents approach me over the past, since I've been on the board, um, with just some concerns when their children are on sports teams um, that are coached by parents who also have their own child on the team. And these parents um, gave me, and this is a couple different um, teams and a couple different parent coaches, um, and the parents who came to me gave me specific examples of um, what they felt was unfair treatment and bias, and perhaps unconscious bias, but what they felt was bias nonetheless. Um, so, you know, as I um, am rolling off, I, I would like this to be a future topic uh, for this board. You'll, you know that we have a policy in place, um, whereas a uh, employee of the Falls Church City Public Schools cannot supervise a relative, and that's, of course, to prevent nepotism. And, and in my mind, this is very similar to that. Now, this is um, there are lots of pieces to this. Um, you know, it's there are some. And, and Dr. Noonan and Vice Chair Gould and I had a nice discussion about this this morning um, because it can, you know, it is a little bit complicated of a topic. But I do think it's one worth this board um, exploring in the name of equity and fairness. Um, one of the things that's been brought to me is that, um, you know, it's often parents who have, tend to be more affluent and have professional jobs who have jo that flexibility to coach teams and other parents who don't um, feel that their kids are at a disadvantage. And um, so I do think that it is worth um, exploring this topic and again, really making sure that all, that no pun intended, but it's a level playing field for everyone. So um, I didn't, if, if I could just see like a nodding of heads, if you all would be willing to take this up. Yes, Ms. Silverman. Chair, I just wanna thank you for bringing this issue to my attention. I, as with two elementary kids, I did not know this or understand this. And I spoke with you about this about a week ago and 
um, strongly agree with what you were saying and um, would be happy to continue this dialogue into the next year and hopefully we can um, we can put up some safeguards. Great, thank you, Ms. Silverman. Okay, so um, we'll add that, uh, well not will, you, you all will add that to, um, I'm sorry? No, I just added. Oh. <laughs> 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 so efficient. Um, so yeah, and so I will let that all, leave that all up to you, whether, um, you know, how you want to approach this. But I do definitely think this is worth, um, you know, I know that this board values equity and fairness, and so I think this is something that definitely needs to be discussed. So thank you all for your support on that. Okay, so moving on to 10.01, the superintendent's report, Dr. Noonan. Great, well thank you. Um, first, uh, as, as you all know, I have to tell you this every time, um, these are organized by uh, Strand in the strategic plan. So the first is investing in our people. Um, and I just wanted to let everybody know, both here and, and away, that last week the principals and directors announced their nominees for the Employee Recognitions Award. Um, Falls Church, and they were Falls Church Ed Foundation Teacher of the Year, Professional Specialist of the Year, Support Staff Employee of the Year, both in operations and in academics. Uh, and this year we tweaked the process of nominations a little bit um, for the recognition and uh, we resulted in twice as many recognitions, which was really great um, over last year. And it's always nice when we get a lot of, a lot of recognitions. Um, now, now that it's been tweaked, everyone in the uh, community has an opportunity to write a letter of support for the nominees um, to add to their nomination packet and share it with them. And the FCCPS website employee recognition award page lists all the nominees and provides a link if you would like to add a letter of your support um, in that portal. Um, the next is wellness and equity and belonging. Um, this was a really special opportunity, but Thursday evening provided a great experience to meet uh, for the first time for, for many people, Marion Costner Selby. Um, and she was the first African American graduate of George Mason High School, and she was the VIP guest at Meridian and served as a featured speaker at our instrumental music concert. Um, this was the first time she'd ever been back since her graduation in 1964, and it was a per perfect way to invite her back. Um, Marion visited with students in the morning, had a tour of the school from the, uh, with our students from the Black Student Union. Students and staff welcomed her, thanked her, and treated her like a celebrity. And at the concert, whoops, she introduced uh, a piece called The Nine, which was written to recognize the nine students who integrated Little Rock Central High School in 1954. She spoke to her own experience of integrating at George Mason High School as a sophomore in 1961, and she used it as a call to action for everyone to continue working together. After a standing ovation, Peter Laub presented her with an appreciation plaque from the school division, and the mes message on the plaque reads as follows. Marion Costner Selby, George Mason High School Class of 1964, presented by Falls Church City Public Schools with gratitude for your courage as a 10th grade student faced with integrating George Mason High School in September of 1961. Through your actions, you paved the way for generations of students to attend school together. You pers persisted despite unfathomable challenges. Meridian High School is proud to recognize you as a trailblazer, the first African-American graduate of the Falls Church City Public Schools. Um, it was quite a, quite a moment. Um, Today, um, we had the honor of welcoming 15 educational leaders from the State Department. Um, they visited uh, FCCPS to learn about our special education programs and how um, State Department families can access services at home and abroad. Um, many thanks to um, 
a lot of people, our special ed administrators who presented and led tours of the schools, and they also enjoyed the cafeteria lunch, by the way, um, which was led by State Department students. So we had students who were uh, State Department kids at Meridian leading conversations in small group at the, at the media center. I want to give a shout out to Rebecca Sharp uh, for playing a very important role today um, in sharing uh, the work of our special education and special services here in Falls Church. In terms of IB-infused teaching and learning, um, tis the season for concerts. If you haven't been to one, FCCPS is instrumental and vocal musicians have been all over town entertaining the whole community in addition to the beautiful concerts by the instrumental musicians at Oak Street, Henderson, and Meridian. Students performed at Solace Outpost, the Senior Center, and the Community Center. Choral musicians were at the three schools. From the three schools have been singing throughout the season at the Falls Church Tree Fest holiday craft show and accompanying the Washington Sinfonetta uh, in a holiday concert. And there are two more concerts to go. Tomorrow is the Henderson concert uh, and Thursday is the Meridian Choir concert. Um, and additionally, I'm really proud to announce that the Meridian Trium Music Honor Society has been awarded the, the 2023 Virginia State Chapter of the Year. So congratulations to Trium on that incredible award. Um, Computer Science Week, Mount Daniel uh, celebrated our Hour of Code um, with Meridian Computer Science students who are part of the Cyber Patrol Robotics, um, Cyber Patriots, sorry, Robotics and Girls Who Code. Um, they visited, high school, high school students um, visited and taught basic coding to elementary school students and Henderson learned about uh, AI, artificial intelligence, what kind of data is being collected and what kind of bias um, is embedded in AI. And last but not least, under resource management and continuous improvement, um, many of you were there, but it was a great thrill to have the solar ribbon cutting at the high school on the fifth floor to uh, officially launch the rooftop solar uh, panels. Um, this long-awaited moment provided a moment of reflection on how far we've come at the high school uh, with the project and the recognition of the so many people that have had a hand to make this happen. Um, it also provided us an opportunity for students to learn from the experts about how solar energy works in careers today. So prior to the uh, lead up to the, the solar ribbon cutting, we had an opportunity for some students to meet in small group with um, the Madison Electric along with SunTribe um, that did the uh, did the rooftop. So um, that is it for me. Um, that's it. Thanks. Thank you so much, Dr. Green. I just have to add, um, I heard this really interesting. I wasn't able, I didn't attend um, and didn't hear Marion Costner Selby speak, but I um, was speaking with a community member and she told me this story. And I, I this must have been part of her public remarks, but I just wanted to tell the board if you didn't hear this because it made me so proud of our school system. Um, she said that when she um, was going to the prom, that um, the high school had prom off-site at a, I won't say the establishment, but the establishment did not accept African-American students and so, or people. So she was worried that she would miss the prom and the school system had a contract with this facility and the school system pulled out of the contract. So I just like, when I heard that, I just thought, you know, that, it, you know, it's just, it just makes you proud, right? We, we and, and, you know, we talked a lot about renaming tonight, but also um, in this conversation that this community member had with her, she said that it was very meant a lot to her that we did change that name. So anyway, I just had to throw that in there. So thank you, Dr. Noonan. To that end, we actually found a really great picture of her at prom. Oh, really? <laughs> so, oh, how interesting. How fun. Uh, any questions or comments for Dr. Noonan? Okay. Um, so now we're moving. I just lost the agenda.
school are we liaison liaison okay so we're on liaison comments um, and board reports and um, mr. Lewin can I start with you yeah I think so Uh, thank you, Mr. Lewin, so much. And we're very proud of you and thank you for all of your contributions and can't wait to see where you and we know that, you know, senior year, we're going to, you're, you're, you're destined for great things. So we just can't wait to see where you go. So thank you. Um, okay. And I'll just start down that end with Ms. Silverman. I have nothing to report. Okay. Well, that was easy. Dr. Dimmick. Sadly, I have nothing to port, um, but I, I will be going to the library board tomorrow and I will let them know our sort of new plan to have a, a liaison, but, um, but perhaps not a regular presence at their meetings. Um, may I have your permission to say that we would like to do more to bring together the staff at the library with the, the library staff at our schools? That's. I see nodding from Kathleen. I, I, I understand from from Ms. Tice that, that we did this pre-pandemic and there was great synergy and then the pandemic happened and um, it'd be nice to get back to that. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yes, I think that's it. That's a yes. Yeah. Dr. Ortiz? Yes. Yes, yeah, so um, the athletic boosters met yesterday. Um, they, um, you know, celebrated um, some improvements to the weight room, and then um, we heard a great update from the AD on the winter sports, which is going very, very well. Um, and then, in addition, um, I think just there's a, there's a whole lot of details there. But from the standpoint of of, of, of reporting out, um, get ready. Saturday, March 16th is Mulch Madness. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Vice Chair Gold. We uh, I only have to report out on on our last. Office hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, started off with some feedback from um, a younger member of our community to have early release Wednesdays at the middle school level. Um, he and he may to, have been here this evening. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yes. Uh, we had a discussion with uh, another person, about, uh, another community member, about the nutrition for um, for snacks that are used in, in school projects. Um, we had a discussion with a parent about early release Wednesdays uh, in terms of trying to offer a more robust option for early release Wednesday aftercare. And she talked about the difficulties of signing up uh, and how quick it fills up um, and the cancellation. 
Um, we had another younger member of our community talk about uh, advocating for spring break of two weeks and advocating for a winter break of three weeks. This that may also, that person may also have been here earlier this evening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we were at Harry's, but uh, someone's, I mean, Harvey's. Must have, you must have bribed them with some good food. <laughs> someone's family just decided to eat there as well. So. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, we had a great discussion around school lunches, um, and uh, a member came in and asked about the quality of the school lunches and asked a number of questions, and because Dr. Noon allowed us to shadow, uh, uh, Ms. Tice and I got to shadow with Richard Kane, and I became overly enthusiastic with my answers because I was excited to, uh, to share all of what Richard Kane shared with us, and we encouraged the community member to meet with Richard Kane and reach out and kind of do a a tour, um, but it was a great, great conversation, and I think that was there was no whole milk advocacy. <laughs> I'm but, surprised. Yeah, um, but Ms. Michael, just to put a finer point on that, um, wasn't so much a criticism of the lunches, but more is there a way that we could maybe um, expand, um, have some more variety? And, and I actually thought, Dr. Noonan, maybe one of the things, you know, every month we have a certain, you know, Italian-American Heritage Month, and, you know, maybe there, that could be something interesting, like once a month we have some sort of a dish that represents that culture or something, but I think that was more of where she was coming from, is, is there a way we could, like, get beyond the typical American fare that we have? But there was no criticism of the actual quality of the food, so. It did raise the question, though, about um, possible work session or some kind of advertising about what we do. You know, I think we're trying to advocate for all the great things that, that the food services provides, but maybe a future work session, which we did not raise on the future agenda, but we'll talk about, see if that's something you'd be up for. Yeah. Because yeah. I know we'd love to, we can't get enough of Richard Kane, that's for sure. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much, Vice Chair Gold. Um, and uh, so I, we had Dr. Noonan and I um, participate in the PEAK Advisory Committee today, and we talked about um, that uh, Ms. Michael and Dr. Noonan gave some more information about um, EPEDs, extra pay for extra duty, how, how those, um, that process went through the salary study and how those numbers uh, came about. Talked about uh, computer monitoring, um, of students when they're in class, um, national um, board stipends, audiobooks, trying to figure out ways that's um, an economical way that kids could access audiobooks, and also um, the weather policy um, and how that pertains to employees. And in terms of um, the Falls Church Education Foundation wasn't able to attend their meeting um, yesterday, but you know they are—they're um, doing a great job uh, raising money for the Family Assistance Fund, which is our um, for our families who are of need. And that number has increased. Um, and everyone on the board knows this, but for those who don't, that number has really increased this year. Um, and so, any money, especially if you're looking for year-end tax deductions and things, that's a great. Um, it's something really to, to consider. And so that would be through the Falls Church Education Foundation. And that, again, that's a family assistance fund and to help our um, neediest families. Dr. Anderson. The daycare advisory board meeting, uh, or daycare advisory board met last night, uh, and they uh, were able to collect a significant sum uh, from the families who uh, use the aftercare services uh, at the schools uh, so that they can provide a nice Christmas bonus to all the daycare workers. Um, and I'll let them send out more information, uh, so I don't want to steal their thunder, but um, they all, they give us a pile of cash that was being uh, distributed among the envelopes. It was quite, quite a sight. 
Thank you. Ms. Tice. Uh, yep, the Rec and Parks Board and the Health and Wellness Board have not met since our last meeting. Um, the Special Education Advisory Committee did meet, but unfortunately uh, it was during our joint meeting with Council, so I wasn't able to go and couldn't ask any of you to go either. Um, but I did hear that they had a really productive meeting, that the committee members um, made appreciation gifts for all the special education-related staff, um, which was a really nice gesture to thank them for all their hard work for the holidays. And they are working through their plan for the year, continuing to brainstorm their future work and I think they're doing a really good job of referencing last year's work and building upon that um, and not just starting from scratch so uh, good work happening there thank you Ms. Tice and I think that's it for our Borderland student liaison comments we have no minutes this evening and we're now at uh, materials for board review and so I think uh, Dr. Dimmick that's uh, that's it for us, that's a wrap. And uh, again, this will be the last time that I'll thank um, all of our staff for uh, staying with us at this late hour. And Dr. Noonan, as always, for your leadership. And thank you to all of our colleagues. And Dr. Dimmick, do you want to have any parting words? Sure. Um, I didn't. I didn't put in my plugs for the various staff members before, so I've been feeling guilty about that this evening. So I'm going to do that now, <laughs> Dr. Noonan. Um, you moved to Falls Church. You have such a dedication to our school system. You have been a great resource from when I arrived on the board to when I'm leaving the board. You know everything about our school system inside and out, and it is it is such an asset to our board. Um, Ms. Minson, we, we really appreciate you. Um, I know that public doesn't see necessarily everything you do. We we spend quality time and close with you, and um, you really help us understand things and and keep us focused on what we need to focus on as as a board. And thank you for that, Ms. Goodell. We might not show up on time without you. We certainly wouldn't do our FOIA training without you. Um, and really, you make this all run. So thank you very much, um, Mr. Brett. I enjoy hearing your voice. I enjoy the morning announcements. And I do see you occasionally on Facebook, which I also, it's been great working with you. Ms. Sharp, I mentioned this to you earlier. Thinking back to earlier times on school board, I really don't think we would have gotten through COVID without you. I don't think we would have reopened the way we did without you. You were a constant presence at at every board meeting, and we had a lot back then. Um, and we really, you you dove so deep into COVID, and things changed every meeting. And um, and without you, I think we, we wouldn't have gotten it off the ground. All right, I'm going to keep going around. Mr. Bates, you have, Dr. Bates, you have, your job is so big. You sort of oversee the curriculum in our schools, but then you're also, you know, we're a small district and we have all this reporting and everything that has to happen to the state that a district does. Um, thank you for everything you do and for always being so thoughtful about the needs of our students and our, and our teachers in the schools. And Ms. Michael, I'm not sure we'd function without you. Thank you so much for your stewardship. When I think of what you do, I really think of stewardship um, and making sure that our resources are allocated where they need to be allocated and reminding us of you know what's going in and what's going out and what we really need to pay attention to so that behind the curtain this whole thing can happen. So thank you so much. I'll miss you. I'll miss you all. Um, maybe we'll visit sometime. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, well said, Dr. Dimmick. I, I, it is so true that I think, you know, for just the general parent um, in our school system, they, you know, these folks in front of us really, and, and also on the end here, that, that gentleman on the end, uh, really do run the schools, you know, and, and it's, it's, I think, you know, parents often, you know, they, they'll know their teacher and that sort of thing, but it's really these folks in this room that make Foster City Public Schools work and run. And, it, it, you know, it's the engine under the hood. And so, um, you know, I, I don't want to, you said it, I can't say it any better than you did, but um, thank you to all the staff um, here tonight um, who, and, and those who are not, you know, there's plenty, Michelle Kopic, Meredith Connolly was here earlier, you know, just, um, it takes a lot um, it takes a lot to um, help us function <laughs> as a, and, and uh, you know, Ms. Goodell, you're, you know, you're the unsung hero. For those who don't know, Ms. Goodell is always helping us with, with everything. Um, so thank you so much. And, and I know Sue and I will miss you all very, very much. So um, again, I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season and, you know, best of luck to, to the board. I know you guys are gonna do amazing things with the two new school board members. And um, as we said, that Sue and I will be cheering for you and We'll, we'll be, we're always, we're always around if you ever want to talk about anything. So thank you again and have a good evening. We're adjourned.